Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date Star Trek's edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. And I'm Ben. Butter Ben <laughs> returned. That's right, he's back. He's back for another round. I don't know why. I oh, mean, I don't, I don't know two. why he's been doing any of this, but he'd uh, come back for another one of these. Is um, Maybe he'll explain later. Okay, you say that as if we have a better reason to be doing this than he does. <laughs> Uh, well, it, it, it you, was your. You idea. know, I'm not getting paid. <laughs> yeah, was, this was all Judah's idea anyway. I, I'm along for the ride. Yeah. Yes, ultimately, I am the villain of this podcast. That's I right. accept that. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is week 102 of this nonsense. It is week 102. You guys all know how this works. I say you guys like, well, okay, I guess there's at least one other person who listens to the Star Trek episodes, but uh, you know how it goes. I feel like a lot of people uh, say that they are saving them up to binge them, but I don't think they're going <laughs> to binge them. I think probably not, huh? No, I don't think. Oh, I like at this at this point, unless uh, Barry goes around the world in a hot air balloon, he's not going to have time <laughs> to listen to all the ones he's got saved up, huh? It'll only take eighty days. But I tell you what, I think I think he has the same uh, mental illness, uh, undiagnosed mental illness that I must have in order to do this podcast. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, there we are. Um, last week we ranked, uh, the week one on one episodes first to third, and we're going to do them in the other order this week. So third place last week, as occasionally happens was Voyager. Yeah. This week we watched 30 days. Now I You decided all my days was better than uh, six days by the dead milkman or. Uh, well, all right. If we're going to talk shop, <laughs> it turns out that I don't have six days by the dead milkman what? in my MP3 collection. So it must. There was a time when I had them all on CD and at some point I did not. I don't know. That one never got transferred to MP3. So I look for it. I ain't got six days I mean, unless it's, it's got some other weird name. It's fine because they're not good. You don't need them. But like uh, it is interesting that we that's the one we thought of. I don't know if there are many days songs. All right. Tom Paris finally got demoted and sent to the brig. Yeah. <laughs> I am happy about this. I don't know why he's in trouble yet, but it makes me very happy. Credits. <clears throat> uh, Neelix brings TP some basic nutrition, says he's not allowed to hang out and talk with him, and leaves. But he did bring TP a pad so that he can write letters. He starts to write one to his mean dad, and I assume that's going to be the framing device of the episode. Yep, he says, Dad, here's the whole story of how I ended up in jail again. Flashback. Again. Uh, Matthew, do you 
Do you think that the reason Tom Paris is dictating this letter is because he can't read and write? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if anyone learns. Just like I don't know if Luke Skywalker learned. I don't know if anyone in Star Trek learns. Yeah, but like, so computers in Star Wars are dunkus, but if you could just ask the computer whatever you want or like tell me a story or I'll go play on the holodeck, maybe I mean, maybe you wouldn't do so much reading. It sounds no. like you could, if you had a term paper, you could say to the computer, computer, write a term paper capable of receiving an A. <laughs> well, on the Enterprise, you sure could. And it would just fucking knock out a real banger. If you're in Labar, France, you have to write your essay on starships uh, by hand. Probably had to write it longhand. Those guys didn't even seem like that a typewriter. Y- you know what, though? I mean, later on in the episode, uh, TP does claim that he loves Jules Verne. And my comment to that, I wrote that down, and my comment is that Homeboy is barely literate. So I'm actually on your side. I think he's telling lies. Yeah, he's got uh, a he whole bunch just... of new backstory in this episode. <laughs> Well, he, what he specifically loves is the Tonight Tonight Smashing Pumpkins music video, so <laughs> it's... That's right. Uh, anyway, he's... Uh, it's in the flashback, it's TP and the Delaney sisters are playing Captain Proton on the holodeck with Harry. Proton saves his sidekick from the twin sisters of evil, but then Harry's all pissed because he doesn't know any other ways to talk to ladies. Um... Also, Harry has a crush on the wrong twin. It doesn't matter. This episode's not about him. They get called to the bridge because they found a cool ocean world. Actually, it's like <laughs> a containment field holding a bunch of water in a ball. They sure went out of their way not to even mention if this thing was orbiting a star, huh? No, it might be one of those rogue planets, but just water. You remember the rogue planets from the episode Rogue Planet? <laughs> I do fucking enterprise uh three ships emerge from the big ocean and i can only guess that they've heard tell a voyager because they shoot first <laughs> janeway says to them we could blow you up but the fact that we're not proves we're hella good people come over and see my cool ship uh tp is fascinated by this under the sea shit and tags along with the tour group uh, and one of the aliens says their cool ball of water is losing containment and they're leaking and they're worried about their stupid ocean world. Uh, but they're going to need to get 500 kilometers deep into this water to find out what's wrong. But they don't know how to do it. <coughs> Luckily, TP says uh, they can help hella easy. They're just going to take the Delta Flyer and just, I don't know, he says they're going to tweak it, but I don't know what they do. Maybe just tape it up and then... They show, they show no time tweaking it and i thought janeway said it would take a long time to tweak voyager so i thought they were going to take the whole ship down there but nah nope well that's why they were taking the delta flyers because it would take too long to do all of voyager yeah uh he tells janeway it's actually ancient sailing (coughs) vessels that are his first love (laughs) you know he's never (laughs) talked about them even one time and we know more about his interests and hobbies than anyone else in the history of star trek but he loves sailing Oh, yeah. Ships and bottles. Great fun. Mm-hmm. Even wanted He's to join the, so. the Federation Naval Patrol. That's a thing that he wanted to do. <clears throat> anyway, um, he recruits Harry and Seven for the mission. And uh, again, that alien scientist. And just like that, they dive in. Uh, Janeway calls in the leader of these dudes or the, the guy that she's working with. And she gives him some bad news. They've done some number crunching, and they've determined that that whole world is going to lose containment within five years, so they're going to have to figure out what's going on. 
Uh, TP's team finds like an old gravity generator thing. At least a hundred thousand years old. But then a big monster swims up and tries to eat them or <laughs> shock them or something. They get uh, Matt, is it any in any way like the big electric eel from Jolly Roger Cove in Super <laughs> Mario 64? A little bit. You gotta get the star on its tail. It's real tricky. <laughs> um, they get a hull breach and the thrusters are dead. Then we go back to real time, the, where he's telling the story, and Voyager's uh, hella attacked again, as always. This super doesn't matter. Yep. We never find out who did it or why. Yep. <laughs> also, Janeway's impressed with some guy named Colhane. Colhane? Is that what they called him? Oh, uh, yeah. Who is the new helmsman? That also doesn't. None of this matters. Nothing really matters except the stuff in the flashback. Uh, back in the story, TP and the gang find that uh, the water itself has been growing more dense over the years, and the generator's been transferring some of that containment energy to itself to avoid being crushed under the pressure. And that's why containment's been weakening at the surface? Anyway, uh-huh. TP also finds out how the uh, ocean came to be. I guess the water was taken from a planet by that stupid reactor. Again, a very long time ago. Uh, and I guess the water's fucked because of all their mining. Oxygen mm-hmm. mining? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, double flashback to TP as a kid getting yelled at by his mean dad. I guess that was actually a flashback dream inside the flashback. He's awakened by Harry Kim. They chat for a bit. I guess Harry convinced him to finish what he started or something. I wasn't paying any attention. Um... Back into the flashback, Janeway agrees to help give these dudes the tech they need to build some probes and maybe, like, mine oxygen in a safer way. TP gets very mad when the politician seems like he's gonna, I don't know, choose his political career over the safety of his people and the ocean, Tom Paris's mm-hmm. greatest love. <laughs> he uh, gets snappy at Janeway... I guess TP wants to force these guys to treasure the ocean, and Janeway's like, well, we did what we could, we can't make them save themselves, which does not satisfy Tom Paris. Bellana finds him sulking on the holodeck. Um, again, another conversation that made my eyes kind of glaze over. Uh, I guess he goes off to, to make sure he saves the ocean. He recruits that nice alien scientist he's been working with. And they go down there, and they're going to fucking shut down the refineries by force. Uh, Janeway and Tuvok work on a cool depth charge to force TP to surface. I don't know why the aliens can't do that. Janeway saves the refinery and damages the Delta Flyer. They eventually salvage it, and we get a log entry? Is this still in (laughs) TP's letter? (laughs) We get a Janeway log entry saying she has to punish Tom Paris. This is in the past. (laughs) We we go back to that scene in the beginning when she was demoting him, which again is in the past. And TP finally gets out of jail in the present and he finishes his letter to his mean daddy in his quarters. (laughs) It took him 30 days to write the fucking letter. Are you kidding me? It took him 30 days to write it, too. Not only did we go back, 30 days minus however long it took Neelix to get him the pad, but it took a minimum of 20 days. (laughs) However, 
we go back to the scene where she demotes him again and she says different stuff. <laughs> oh no, did she? They filmed it twice. <laughs> I didn't even notice. Oh my god. god. Hey, maybe they shouldn't use these framing devices if they can't fucking keep track of what's happening. That's basic continuity yeah. shit. Come on, guys. Well, I'll let you in on the production magic of this episode. They filmed this episode and it came in 10 minutes under. Oh. And they wrote the letter framing device to fill the 10 minutes. Oh, no. So bad. You can't come in under. Uh huh. I would figure the problem was always that you came in over. So if it doesn't seem like. You should get to hear Janeway's log <laughs> entry in the middle of Tom Paris's letter, How did he get for that? instance. How did he get access to that for his letter? That's crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. In jail. Uh, it seems like, uh, you know, that doesn't make any sense. Maybe it's because they did a fucking whoopsie and the whole framing device is an afterthought. Yeah. Well, great. Uh, I don't know who wants to go first on this piece of shit. Uh, ben, why don't you go first? Because I never managed to get past my cynical initial take. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, your convictions about what is right are more important than personal professional success. And I gave that a two because I said no shit. And that was that was as close as I could get to a real take. Yeah. Okay, so Matt apparently glazed over during the conversation <laughs> that Bolana had with Tom Paris in the holodeck. Where, so in this week, they are recasting things as though Tom Paris's problem is that he's a quitter. Right. Is that he is Luke Skywalker. Uh, Harry Kim says, mm, seems like he never finished anything when he, won't, he doesn't want to finish his dumb letter to his dad that he'll never see again. You didn't finish not being a criminal? And you didn't finish <laughs> um, not, you didn't finish not being a Maquis? And uh, you're just not good at finishing things. So Bolana goes to ZM and she's like, uh, A, it's it's nice to see that you finally care about something, which sucks. And then B, she says, I don't know, is there anything Tom Paris could do about this problem? So she basically eggs him on <laughs> to uh, to go on his big dumb strike. Yeah. Uh, and so my cynical take that I never thought of a better one for. So, you know, maybe Matt will talk me out of it is you can think you're doing something for the right reasons, but actually be too emotionally immature to realize you're just trying to impress your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause he was totally just going to go sulk in captain proton until she came and said, I don't know. Why don't you go shoot up the place? I, I know we talk all the time about how it seems like the holodeck's on a separate power grid, but did he really go turn that on to sit there? Yeah, <laughs> this fucking guy reserved holodeck time to go and sit quietly with his feelings. Yeah, he's fucking not paying the utilities for sure. Yeah, well, fucking do it in your quarters, asshole. <laughs> Seriously, just pace around in the dark like Janeway for months. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, she isn't. She isn't wasting her time just sitting at a dining table in her Victorian fuck fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They didn't say she didn't come out of the holodeck for three months. So my, my cynical take is only worth one point, but Matt, maybe you found something a little like well, I, there are, again, this is an episode that has themes. Yeah. I, I, I have to interject that. I love your take because it, it it's kind of the underpinnings. I feel like for all of Antifa, all of the proud boys, all of the, you know, all of these crazy ass cults where they're doing stupid shit. And it's really just to, you know, look good to people that they care about. 
Oh, maybe. Fuck. I mean, I guess everyone's always done everything for to get to get some. Probably. If <laughs> you think about it, I think so. Can I make that my take? Can I just do I'm a version of Judah's take? Everybody's always yeah, done what, everything to get some. What's that worth to you? I don't know. I, I had what Ben had, sort of. I had do what's right, no matter the personal consequences, which is extremely down the middle. I wouldn't expect them to say the other thing. Be a real political asshole. Um, Do you think Tom Paris has done what's right? No, I oh. think he did what he thought was right. <laughs> I see. Which was defend this ocean that he just met. This new ocean friend of his. Uh, I gave it a four. I don't know. It's obvious, but it's fine. Uh, execution flipping around. Uh, obviously... F- lots of flashbacks, a double flashback dream. That's not ideal. A new made-up passion and backstory for TP. Um, it was a weird case where Janeway came off sort of right. Like, it's kind of wild that TP's like, force them to take our help. They're bad at oceans. <laughs> and Janeway's very correct when she says that they gave them the info and recommendations and technical data. And if they don't want to save themselves, what the fuck can you do? Picard needed to uh, waltz in and give his bad speech from uh, Pen Pals. <laughs> <laughs> that the prime directive. prime directive protects us. Not least of which is to protect us. Jordy, are you you're going to eat right now? <laughs> I thought maybe you could take one of those to go. Because we're almost we're wrapping up. So I don't know if you want to get started. <laughs> you take that sandwich and beam it down to that little girl. She's about to die. <laughs> that's uh, that's the kind of thing that would happen to me. I'd go get a sandwich and then the meeting would be over right away. And then I'd be like, uh. <laughs> so can I eat this here? Because I don't really want to take it with me. Um, The stuff with TP's dad is it remains extremely unexamined. I know he doesn't like his dad. I still can't tell why. There's a, again, in the flashback dream, his dad yells at him for playing with a boat. But I don't know if that's real. Something about his dad making him go to Starfleet Academy. I don't know what this adventure has to do with their relationship. I don't, I don't really understand it. Um, just a three for me. Ben, how about you? Uh, it's a three for me, too. Um, little mix of stuff uh obviously reduced in rank to start this thing off very happy he's a fuck up forget him he's a well he's a fuck up just as much as the entire crew's a fuck up so i I guess i guess on a relative basis he's just fine Um, i wish they'd um just keep him in the break and then like maybe just go visit him every once in a while but he wouldn't be in most of the episodes that'd be pretty (laughs) maybe his new job can be to just stand in the empty break (laughs) what all right your time's up here's your new assignment you're on you're on brig patrol. You're, you're no one's ever down yeah. there. Uh, I actually went the exact other way with it. I said, uh, "Why can't he just do this whole thing, the whole confinement in his quarters? Because wh- where is he going to go? There's no shore leave. You know, there's uh, it's, it's it's crazy. Uh, why why even staff the brig? Also, while he's in there, he can't do anything useful at all. Put him in the shuttle bay and have him fix some something. Do you know whatever? Review some data from a quasar or some crap that you had to investigate whatever it is um it, it's just kind of crazy to waste a train crewman for an entire month um yeah whatever it was just like last week when they told that bajoran guy he couldn't resign <clears throat> <laughs> 
Yeah. And now they're right. like, we need you. You're in the brig forever, Tom Paris. <laughs> you're you're less than useless. I think if you review my notes, I wished they had told him why he couldn't resign. <laughs> no. Chicote just didn't accept his resignation and didn't say anything about staffing levels or <laughs> no. Uh, I, I, crazy that Voyager goes down to the ocean planet, uh, not into, but uh, over, um, why there's no, there's really no reason for that. Um, so I thought it was interesting that there's this huge ball of water and, and I thought they could do something f- fun with it. Uh, but Janeway says that, yeah, sure. It could be a naturally occurring event, uh, <laughs> when there's clear and they're like, oh, there's no rock or central core or, you know, solidified magma or anything like that underneath. Uh, great, they find the the artifact that's generating the gravity, so at least they have a techno babble reason. But I, I just thought it was crazy that Janeway's supposed to be an intelligent person in the future. Um, yeah, initially that other scientist is like, eh, it probably formed just like a gas giant does, and it's like, well, only if that water <laughs> in the middle is real different from the water on the outside, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so Tom is supposed to be some kind of hero, but he he does it all wrong. Um, definitely much, uh, quite a bit of prime directive stuff. And then I, it sounds like you guys made a, a little bit of a, a connection between his love of sailing, which is brand new and the health of the inanimate water compared to the, mm-hmm. you know, over the sentient beings, of course. But I just did not understand why he was so invested in this whole thing. Mm, if only they'd written 10 minutes more than they <laughs> might've figured <laughs> it out. <laughs> Tom Paris's unexamined problem is he can't deal with bureaucratic bullshit. Yeah. And as soon as he knew that this thing was going to die in a bunch of committees, he lost it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's it for me. So the wraparound is dumb. Only exists because they came in 10 minutes short. Uh, what could have been either an interesting environmental story or a story about how this lone ocean in space could possibly work just kind of ends up being about a guy who's a little bit proud of his insubordination. Mm. And no one can think of anything they can do for these people. Like Janeway is prepared to say, well, we tried nothing and it didn't work and just leave. <laughs> like they, they couldn't give him a leaflet called ignoring looming environmental catastrophes and the consequences thereof. Like, the Federation should have a playbook for <laughs> yeah. worlds that are destroying themselves with like all the stuff that they got through. Yeah, she should at least sit sit the guy down and make him watch the ending courtroom scene in Devil's Do, <laughs> and where Picard could say, "Did they? Did she not at least pick up one piece of trash?" <laughs> uh, yeah, um, the, the problem is that Janeway has thrown out every Federation playbook that we've yeah. that we've ever heard of. Well, they had to get rid of something to make space for Seven's alcove. That's right. Um, the eel attack is nothing. Mm. So uh, this uh, was a three for me, but there is a two-point bad dream deduction. <laughs> so it does end up being a one. Yeah. Uh, also, I, I haven't given one of those, one of those in, in a long time, but this is just a bad dream. It was one of those dreams, too, that is, it's one of those memory dreams that people on TV have, where I think you're supposed Mm -hmm. to think that that happened, and that's a thing that happened. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's not usually how I, I don't just dream memories. Like, there will be things in my dream from my past, maybe, settings or people or things or whatever, but it's not, I don't just have a dream, it's like, oh yeah, that time 
at school when that thing happened or whatever. But he had a right. You'll wake up and you'll be like, "Oh, it was at my grandma's house for some reason." But also, it was my house. That's right. (laughs) But also, I lived there. Uh, It's never like Aubrey Huff was there. It was fucking weird. I had that dream again about the time when my debit card got declined at Subway. Just think of just think uh, the shame I feel about that, and then compare it to the guy who blocked up the Suez Canal. Exactly. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) I understood completely, Matt. Um, World building. There is such a thing as the Federation Maritime Patrol. Yeah. I. It would be neat if we explored that a little bit, like. Is it just for Earth? Is it like the way the the right. president of the Federation just seems to sit on Earth and make Earth rules? <laughs> exactly. Is it like how do does each Federation member world have like their own Coast Guard that patrols local space, and mm-hmm. then is there even lower than that? Do they have a little? Do they have a little navy? Is there like a? It's something that is never talked about, but like. Is there like a Klingon Navy? Is there a Klingon Ocean with a Klingon Navy on it? What does that look like? I, I, exactly. I, I love Klingons with eye patches, so I I, I hope so. Sure, they'd be pirates for sure. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you like them just bolted into their skulls, oh, oh, yes. General Chang style? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, then also, I guess Janeway lists some crimes that are in the Federation version of the Uniform Code of Military Justice. <laughs> yeah. During the charging, and then other than that, boy, there sure is not much world building this time, huh? No, this was not a world building episode, yeah. for sure. That's uh, another one from me. Okay. Uh, ben? All right. Um, let's see. The the brig must have its own deck. TP asks to go to the... Asks the turbo left to go to the brig, not deck 10 or whatever. Uh, that's nothing. Uh yeah. Neelix delivers the food to the brig. I guess that makes sense, although I think I'd rather have just a slot in the door. Um, sure. No door. You know, no. Yeah, fair enough. No door, but still. I'd uh, but we have seen, wall. you know, you can just uh, fucking surf on a containment field. We saw Dax do it, so I don't see why you <laughs> couldn't just have a slightly sloping vert, like portion of it. You just slot <laughs> it in and yeah, floats down, flows down the force field to him. Well, that all goes into, you know, apparently in the Federation, solitary confinement ain't. He's getting visitors all the damn time, it seems like. I I get it for the, you know, pace of the episode. You need people in there to talk to. You need sidekicks. Also, he's looking at that guard who's eight feet away. And they're talking. I can tell that they've been talking. I mean, they're not friends, but, you know, (laughs) they've spent some time together, clearly. Uh, Tom Paris is spending the whole time making up nicknames for the guy, <laughs> just trying to see which one will get under his skin the the most. Uh, yeah. Um, Harry kind of has this uh, this thing where he, he's sort of claiming that there's uh, the old naval jargon isn't present in the future when uh, when Tom's talking about well, you know, sailing the high seas and the yard arm and all all, all the crap that he's read in a book somewhere. Um, mm. But uh, Harry seems to be completely flabbergasted by all of it where we know that in this you know in in many series you know the, there's all sorts of naval jargon everybody's called mister and you know number one and blah blah blah, blah. um right well not only that but if uh 
if if Tom Paris had started singing, "Come cheer up, my lads, to <laughs> the glory," you know that the you know Everyone that the, <laughs> the guy guarding the brig would have gone to find something new in the wonderful year. Everyone knows it except Worf, as far as I could tell. <laughs> Borf pretends to sing along for a second, and then he looks around like, what the fuck's happening? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I missed something in the in in the story, and maybe this belonged in execution, but the, so the those little seal guys or whatever they are went to the sphere of water and, and built their little, little nation, and they can't just leave? I, I didn't understand why, why it was such a danger to these people. Did they lose the ability to sail the inter- interstellar cosmos? What, what's up? Uh, yeah, they don't really get into it. They, it's not like one of those episodes where they're like, this is our home, we'll never leave. Would mm-hmm. you leave your home or anything like no, that? No, they for sure are like, we were nomads, but 300 years ago we found this ocean. And that's it. And now we've built a handful of structures down there. <laughs> yeah. Did they say there's like 80,000 of them? There are, yeah, there are 80,000 of them. Yeah. I mean, we only see three of their ships at any point, so it could be that they've cannibalized all the rest. Yeah. <sighs> or maybe they, you know, they found a good good source of fish and oxygen down there, and mm-hmm. uh, they've really reproduced a lot, and now their ships wouldn't carry them all the way. Yeah. But they do leave it up to us to figure that out. Are, are they the descendants of the aquatic Zindi? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Well, good question. They are a long way away, yeah. and they don't look like the aquatics. No. And also, I th- I think the aquatics probably don't live inside little buildings. <laughs> but if they're in, filled um, with water, I don't know. Big ocean buildings, like um, <laughs> you know, you got to have room to swim around in there and stuff. For sure. Okay, but I just gave the I gave it a three, but two is better. Two's a better score. Yeah, I have it as a two. Let's see. Um... We spend some time in Voyager's brig. If it's anything like TNGs, it's got one of those extending sinks slash toilets. Um, it was the very first thing Katie said when this... Well, no. It was about the second thing Katie said when this episode started. Where's the turlet? That's right. Well, for a second, I was like, what, does he have to get, like, led out of that cell to go to the bathroom or whatever? But then I remembered in TNG, you just, like... I think it just extends. Uh, basic nutrition only. Um... Hey, when the shuttle has a breach and they're 600 kilometers deep, wouldn't you think it would lead to that ship crumbling like a piece of binder paper with the words diaper dandies written all over it? <laughs> but nah. Not the Delta Flyer, man. It's got go faster fins on it. It's right. TV, <laughs> just, TV just welds it up like it's nothing. Um, he welds the inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He does not go out there and weld the outside. No, I don't think he's got a suit for the 600 kilometers deep. Um, TP asks the computer to send this letter when he's within range of Earth. Can he just give his dad a call when he's that close? Yeah, but I think what he's counting on is that he will have forgotten he ever wrote this fucking letter. (laughs) Or like, well, that's what I was going to say. Or maybe decide then whether you want to send the letter. Maybe there's a new letter that you should send with an update on your travels or something. Like, what if 60 years from now you get home and you're like, that one month I spent in prison 60 years ago is not really how I feel anymore. (laughs) 
But well, no. also his dad would probably be dead. Just yeah. Well, another reason, maybe no reason to send it because his dad's old. And it's it just gonna come back dead. undelivered, and he's gonna look at it and go, "Wow, oh, man, did I send this?" I, I wrote my dad. The one letter I wrote my dad was about <laughs> the time in jail, and I started it by describing my Captain Proton game. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Um, I don't know. Maybe find a way to send it through one of those uh, Herogen relay systems or something. I don't know. Um, everything having to do with the aliens of the week, who are now, I assume, another enemy of Voyager in this <laughs> quadrant. <laughs> It's every single week. It's not even an exaggeration. It's every week. Uh, By the way, I fully assumed that they were who attacked Voyager while Tom Paris was in the brig. They had to have been. Yeah. And they never say that. They do not at any point say who attacked them, but it's probably these guys, right? Yeah. You'd think. I'm going to give it a... I'm going to give it a one. (laughs) (laughs) I looked at it. I don't like anything that I said in there. Um, but surely Voyager's great strength characterization will carry them through this. And it was definitely a characterization episode. So they they for sure had an opportunity here. Um, TP pretends to do a lot of push-ups in front of Neelix. He thinks, <laughs> yep. tw- he thinks twin sisters are identical in every way. So fucking one of them is the same as fucking the other one. Yep. His first love is ancient sailing ships. Um, That's new. He risks his nice life on Voyager to fight for what he loves. The ocean. He chooses to write a letter to his mean dad in jail, but I don't know what to make of that. Uh, Neelix wants to be nice to Tom for some reason. Harry's got a crush on the wrong twin. Seven doesn't like playing sailor. The doctor, since he has no medical ethics or empathy, does not give a shit about TP being stuck in solitary. Uh, a better Janeway in this one. She still bullies these aliens a bit, but then she's on the right side of the spat with TP. I gave it a four. It's weird that a four is such a bad score, but I still have to feel hesitant when it's Voyager. <laughs> ben, what about you? How do you think they did characters? Oh, I took so few notes. Uh, TP is a fuck up who is ultimately anti-authority, and that's kind of his defining feature. Uh, famous Delaney twins. I don't think we've seen them before. We've just heard of them. Um, yeah. I think. Uh, that comment about uh, TP reading Jules Verne, supposedly. Um, everyone, but, but bottom line, everyone is kind of just true to form. I, I felt like and didn't really take a hell of a lot of notes. I gave it a three. I wonder if he has read Jules Verne in the same way that everybody plays those flotter programs. Or if he just <laughs> played a holodeck version of it, which, by Maybe. the way, I would love that. I, I, I want to battle a kraken. That'd be that'd be awesome. Yeah, a giant. I uh, uh, yeah, I have it as a three two. Um, Tom Paris wanted to join the regular navy. Ooh. They give him a whole new nautical backstory and a bad dream about his daddy. <laughs> He seems to get real excited as soon as Balan is like, you finally believe in something. And that made me think he didn't believe in it at all. He's just <laughs> like a 17-year-old kid at his first college socialist meeting. Yep. <laughs> I uh, have a passion I'm still... now. I'm passionate about the ocean. <laughs> dad! Exactly. <laughs> Fuck you, dad! Um, <laughs> so dad has, he hasn't sick of... seen his dad in years. For sure. 
Uh, we again. I mean, you pointed this out. We have no idea what's up with his dad. I don't know. He's talked about it before, but never in any depth. So I don't really understand what the problem is between them. I think the problem his is dad's is like Tom a Paris big, sucks. A big Starfleet admiral, and he never makes mistakes or whatever. <laughs> but like, he could be a perfectly <sighs> fine dude. It's true. Yeah. yeah. I wonder anyway. if it's just going to be like uh, rich white angst. And that's what Tom Paris has. <laughs> Look, I mean, he's probably not a good dude. He's a Starfleet Admiral. Fair. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All of those guys are trash. <laughs> Even old JP, um, we thought he was going to be good, but no. <laughs> <laughs> Just an old man's fantasy about crushing some young pee. You get it? <laughs> um, I'm sick of Janeway still. She's technically in the right here, but she also has only like 120 people to get to know, and she's had over four years to do it. Yeah. Someone like Tom Paris that she sees every day and has alligator babies with, <laughs> she should immediately understand what he's going through. Yeah. Like, that he's, this is, he's suddenly, this is a guy who doesn't care about anything, and he suddenly cares about something. She should know how to help him deal with it, but she just doesn't give a shit. Oh, yeah, and by the way, we should say that she should be familiar with this from the time that that guy, Zeth, came. Remember when Zeth came and he got all excited about Zeth, who lived free? And then Zeth replaced him? Do you remember this, Do you remember this at all? Uh, oh, shape shit. Changeling, that guy, yeah. Steph? Yeah. Is it Steph? What was his name? Steph. It was Steph. I changed Thank it you. to Zeth. <laughs> you did change it to Zeth. Uh, so like, remember he got like all excited about this guy who like just went wherever he wanted and did whatever he wanted, and that was his big passion that week or whatever. And that, yep. like, she should totally remember this shit. Well, she doesn't care. She just doesn't care about anybody on this fucking ship. She just sulks in her quarters. Uh, and then Bolana seems to be encouraging Tom Paris to do something dumb. Like, I don't know what else. What else could the context of that possibly be? Where she's sitting with him and he's like, even Captain, I guess Captain Proton can't fix this problem, huh? And then she says, maybe Tom Paris can. What? What do you want him to do? Don't forget she's a former Maquis. So taking shit into her own hands is kind of second nature. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Anyway, these idiots are are really, really bad for each other. (laughs) Uh, She is the... um... She's the wife of the guy in the I Think You Should Leave skit who gets pwned by that mu- by, by that magician, and she sends him back <laughs> to insult the magician. And she says she'll stay with him for the kids, but she'll never respect kids. him. And she'll make sure that the kids don't respect him either. Made you look like a fool. <laughs> you jerked off your tiny little boy dick in front of everybody. <laughs> ben, have you seen, ben, have you seen uh, that show? I, I No, I have not. Okay. Oh, you should watch. I think you should leave on Netflix. It's only six episodes, and they're 15 minutes long each. It's amazing. I definitely will. Um, Yeah, so three for me, characterization-wise. Quick ones. Uh, Like I said, I was watching this one with Katie, and this is how far television has come. When it starts off with that scene where she sentences him to... Uh, solitary confinement in the brig Katie goes wait why is he going to jail <laughs> and I said oh we're gonna have to find out no two episodes are ever connected like yeah. there's definitely no way that anyone would know why he's being sent to jail yeah you didn't miss anything episode. last week for sure exactly <sighs> Matthew would you start a letter to your dad who already doesn't like you or think you're serious by describing Captain Proton <laughs> <laughs> This is like if I wrote a letter to my dad, who I get along, who I got along with fine. 
I was playing Grand Theft Auto the other day. It's fucking awesome. I was like, uh, I was driving around one of those speedboats. It was fucking. It was so cool. The police were after me, and I had to wait for my star rating to go down so they wouldn't, so the police wouldn't catch me. Anyway, I'm in jail now. <laughs> Here's how I ended up in jail, Dad. I 100 percent believe that Tom Paris would say, "What's the difference? They're twins." Yep. Like, what a shit. What a what a shitty bad attitude this guy has, and I guess in the nineties we were just supposed to go. He's shallow. Yeah, and they're clearly shown in that holodeck program to have different personalities and be very. very differently. I mean, you still react that he is shallow, but he's also a shallow asshole. Yeah. Oh, uh, there's a lot of stuff that in Voyager that plays just as a something you laugh off in the nineties, for sure. Uh, anyway, also that's the Delaney sisters' whole life, right? Yeah. They, they, every, everywhere they go, there's always some creep who's like, "It's a fucking difference. They're twins." A hundred percent. Do you think life is worse as 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 a pair of twins who are hot as compared to a pair of twins who are, let's just say, average? Right. Nope. I think it would be worse. No. <laughs> no. Hold on, Matt came in quick with that. <laughs> no. Let's find out. I think it's always. I think it's always better to be hot. I think. Yeah, okay. I think the problems are different. Yeah, different problems for sure. But I, I no. <laughs> um, <laughs> Matthew, the fastest way to the Naboo is through the planet core. <laughs> yep. Well, there's always a bigger fish. Then there's always a bigger fish. Um, it's real. A lot of uh, Phantom Menace energy to this episode. I think it came out before the Phantom Menace, but I also think there's absolutely no way George Lucas saw this one episode of Voyager. <laughs> no. So, God, I hope this. I hope that was not the inspiration for that shitty scene. Who put this soft boy Burkus in command of an attack force? This guy leads the three ships <laughs> up from the surface to attack Voyager, and then the rest of the episode, he's like crying because he doesn't want to. He knows he doesn't want to hurt the council's feelings by telling him about the bad mining. <laughs> yep, for sure. Um, he pair Tom Paris to be a real shitty key pal. Took him ten days to uh, dictate two paragraphs of text to his dad. <laughs> um. Oh, they get down there, and Tom Paris says to the scientist, Riga, fire the missile. And I just said, what <laughs> missile? They got a missile? They forgot, the word, missile? they forgot the word torpedo, which is weird, <laughs> is because a- it's the main thing they use in Star Trek and yeah. the main thing you use in the ocean, but they forgot. It's so wild. The Delta Flyer suddenly has a missile they can use to attack this refinery. <laughs> yeah. Is Not the good. Delta Flyer even normally armed? I, 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 it's probably got phasos and stuff. Hmm. Probably depends on what the script says, I would guess. Eh. Um, okay, Teeps gets out of jail. Bellana calls him. Matthew, what does she do? I don't even remember. I don't remember. She, sa- she says, I heard you're free for dinner. Hmm. Meet me at my quarters at? Oh, I don't know. What time? <laughs> Oh, 700 hours. <laughs> well, it's huh. one of those. It's breakfast for dinner, but literally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Well, you know, so maybe, her, maybe she's got the night shift, and that is, that's dinner for her, I guess. 
I don't know. Why she's the chief engineer? Why is she on the night shift? Word got back to Janeway. Word got back to Janeway. She talked him into her it. punishment. Yeah, <laughs> he got thirty days, and she had to work the night shift. Uh okay. You know that tracks. I was going to say something happened with Vorik, and he's got the day shift now. But eh. I, I'd love it if that had been actual text in the episode that she also got punished. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I gave best actor to, I don't know, Neelix. Wasn't easy. Worst actor, Riga. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, uh, ben, you have any quick hitters? Oh, no, just that uh, this must be where Phantom Menace cribbed the Gungan City. And that, that whole underwater thing. Because it was very... It just had so much of the same feel to it. Um, and getting attacked by a giant, whatever the hell that was... It, felt the same you know actually if you look at it the the delta flyer the shape does kind of look like that little little squiddy uh, uh ship that uh that they have in the phantom i think it's called a bongo oh boy phantom menace bongo <laughs> i mean take, uh, the take tribe, away the, the tribe squids. oh shit yeah it, it is a delta <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Listen, I retract it. Uh, George Lucas has some splaining to do. He's actually just as big a hack as we all thought. <laughs> well, I mean, looking at that at that movie, you would have to say, "Yeah, he is a hack." Oh yeah, for sure. But ripping Not off a an episode of Star Trek Voyager, <laughs> <laughs> at least rip off one of the good ones. Fuck. That's right. That's that's it for my cookies. Uh, the only one I had was that I wasn't sure we'd actually seen the Delaney sisters before, so I stopped. This is their them. only appearance in Voyager. Oh my god, that's short shrift. Yeah, they got talked about a ton, and you don't ever get to see them dressed normally. <laughs> no, just Captain Proton. Ugh. Well, that's it then. We can move on. Yeah, that's that for Voyager. Second place last week was TNG. This week we watched Ensign Row. <laughs> Ben's pick of the week. Hi, this is Ben Town, your remote Star Trek edition. <laughs> <laughs> I figure no one likes to hear their own voice. Yeah, also, he's not remote this week, so it doesn't make sense. He's not remote, yeah. Uh, okay. We know, we know many people who like the sound of their own voice. Just not me. <laughs> All right, sure. <laughs> All right, relax. I'm right here. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, Picard is getting a haircut from chatty old Mott the Barber when the ship gets a distress signal from a colony along the Cardassian border. They make best speed for the colony, but along the way, they get a call from the Bajora yeah. claiming responsibility for the destruction of the world. Um, they take the survivors to Laia Station Alpha and get a briefing on the terrorists from sneezing old Admiral Kennelly. Mm, well, he's an admiral. We just talked about it. You know what that means. <laughs> Apparently, the Bajora were chased off of their own world by the Cardassians and wander the galaxy where they're treated <laughs> as pariahs. And Kennelly wants Picard to find their leader, Orta, and convey the message that the Federation is sympathetic, but that the attacks must stop. Hey, if DS9 was going to change the backstory of every race mentioned in TNG, why didn't they just come up with new races? Remember, we just had this like with the a, trill. It's like a kind of laziness where they assume everybody else is as lazy as they are. <laughs> yeah. 
and they'll be like, well, someone wrote something kind of like what we want to do. Let's borrow that. We're going to make a bunch of changes, but no one will notice or care for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, he also wants Picard to take on Ro Laren, an officer formerly from the Wellington with a bad reputation. Uh, she beams up and Riker is immediately mean mugging her and tells her to take off her damn earring. Uh-huh. Uh, she rolls up to the ready room, uh, tells Picard to knock it off with using her slave name and <laughs> makes it clear that she doesn't want to be there either, but the alternative was prison. Yeah. So it's a good start. Yeah, she's kind of a king. She just fucking walks in there and just, you know, talks about talks about her feelings. Yep. <laughs> like a king would. Like a king. <laughs> they they reach the Valo system and want to uh, want to get in touch with the this Federation guy, like the guy that the Federation always goes to with the Bajora, this guy Holza. But uh, Ensign Rowe thinks they should talk to Keeve Falor, who is not one of the traitors from the most toys. No. It just sounds extremely like one of them. No, but I did. I was pretty upset when they were talking about the first guy's name. Is his first is his name Jazz Holza? Yeah, Jazz Holza. Yeah, that's not a Bajoran name. Then she said Keith Floor and I went, Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah that's Keith a Bajoran that name. name. That tracks. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that other guy. <laughs> um Ro gives away her jacket. And Picard patches things up with this guy by using his proper name. But then Keeve tells him straight up that the Federation has stood by for too long. He's not interested in helping them. Um, but, but I mean, but all Picard has to do is give him a bunch of blankets. And then he's like, okay, but yes, all right, I will call you as soon as I find out where Orta is. And also, we should keep in touch. That's right got some other things on my shopping list you might be able to help so they had they head off to meet orta on his asteroid planet or whatever meanwhile in 10 forward jordy's running his mouth about ensign Rowe to guinan and she gets interested wants to go meet the new troublemaker they have maybe the second or third bechdel approved conversation in all of star trek <laughs> about how roe didn't really defend herself during her court martial how she must enjoy being a black sheep to come and sit defiantly in 10 forward right and guinan declares that they're friends now <sighs> then ensign roe gets a secret subspace conversation um which we don't see <laughs> which we don't see communication from admiral kennelly uh Picard puts on his expedition jacket and blouses his boots and then meets the team in the transporter <laughs> room where they fi- find out that just like mouthy old Shelby, Ensign Rowe beamed down early. Mm. And they hate that. Riker hates it particularly. Yeah, he's um, this is always happening to him, for sure. It's constantly. It makes him look like he's late and he hates it. Well, the last time he did it, I don't know if you remember, he shows up late. And you can tell because the instant the doors open and he walks in, he complains that everyone's late and not there. Which could <laughs> yeah. only be true if he was late. <laughs> yeah, he definitely was not five minutes early looking at his watch <laughs> like, okay, let's give him another couple minutes. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, no, it uh, turns out no one showed up to the meeting site. So they beam down to where Ensign Rowe beam down and start looking for her. And they immediately get captured by Orta's men. And we meet the man himself and he's got a burned up face and a vocoder, vocoder. And he tells uh, Picard and everybody 
that it wasn't the Bajorans who attacked the Federation settlement. Then I guess he lets them all go. Yeah. We don't see that part, but suddenly everyone's back on the ship, and Picard confines Rhoda to her quarters for leaving the ship without authorization. She's sulking there when Guinan comes in, and Guinan says, Picard once bailed me out of some serious trouble. I hope that's not too much of a tease, because <laughs> it can't possibly be the thing you'll see later. <laughs> right. This, I have lots of notes about how it is still extremely unexplained what is happening. It's got... It, uh, unless you want to read one of them stargazer novels which (laughs) claims to show it you're never going to find out um but she takes Ro up to the ready room and tells Picard Ro's my friend now and then fucks off and this is when Ro opens up to Picard tells him she's been acting on orders from Kennelly he was gonna sell weapons to Orta because he's been reading Jameson's old diary, I guess. (laughs) And he thinks, well, it'll probably work out this time. Um, But when she found out that uh, Orta wasn't responsible for the raid, she held back on that offer because she couldn't figure out what was happening. So uh, Picard and Roe and Orta cook up a little plan and Picard calls Kennelly and says, we're going to be escorting this cruiser to Valo 3 with Orta and his men on it. And then a couple of Galore-class ships come rocketing out of the old neutral zone there and make mm-hmm. a run at the cruiser. Enterprise intercepts them. We Goldolak, who's like French or Croatian or something, <laughs> hails them. And he demands that they leave the Bajorans behind to be destroyed. Yeah, he also identifies himself um, as Cardassian the first time. Well... <laughs> by, the, by the second time, he says that he's got it cleaned up, but the first time, it's Cardassian. <laughs> Listen, this dude's whole head is dented in on one side and, like, bent in the other direction, so. You know, he's doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, Dolak gives the Enterprise one hour to withdraw. Picard goes to wait for Kennelly to call him in his ready room, and he tells him he's been duped, but Kennelly says, Listen, I'm giving you a direct order to withdraw. Sure enough, the Bajoran ship gets destroyed. And then Picard has Kennelly piped through right to the bridge so he can tell him in front of everybody <laughs> that the ship was empty, it was being controlled from the ground, you're, you're the dumbest idiot, Orta's <laughs> ships aren't even warp capable, they couldn't have reached the Federation colony that was attacked, the Cardassians staged the whole thing when they realized that you were the dumbest Nebraska hick in all of outer space. <laughs> uh, back on Velo 2, Picard and Roe talk about how Kennelly's probably going to fucking jail now yeah and uh then picard offers her a full-time job on the enterprise yeah now what's this one about Mm. okay don't listen to gossip form your own opinion i have lots of examples of this in real life when people talked a bunch of shit about somebody and then when i got to know them i was like oh yeah that's right it's usually the gossips who suck ass and not their targets huh (laughs) And that's what happens in this one. Everyone's like, oh, Rolera, no way. She sucks. She's the worst. And then she helps them clear up this whole thing. And it turns out she's a king. And uh, they're going to let her wear her earring again and all that business. Because it turns out she's fucking, she rules. So I gave it an eight. <laughs> it's well, true. I've fucking, had so you're... many times like at work. Where people are like, oh, you got to work with her? God, she's the fucking worst. She's basically a terrorist. 
And then <laughs> they started working with her. I was like, nah, she seems really cool, knows what she's doing. She's like, doing a good job at work. So... Boy, it does not help that the two people who are the shittiest about Rolaren are probable ra- rapist William Riker. <laughs> yeah. And definite sex pest Jordy LaForge. <laughs> yeah, definitely. They, they have their minds made up about her. So, yeah. And what did you think this one was about? I had exactly the same thing. I had don't blindly trust hearsay yeah. and reputation. Figure it out yourself. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Rose in prison, but she might actually be a fine officer when she is. Uh, the Bajora are terrorists, but maybe they're actually just refugees. The um, and guess what? The the Cardis and the Admiral are in cahoots, not not actually stand up dudes. So it's yeah. I give it a five because it's it's true. It's not bad, but it's been done a gajillion times in Star Trek. Judah. Uh. Listen, you guys are both right. That's definitely in this episode. Um, I thought there was another take going through this one, which is if you keep hearing that you're a piece of shit from everyone, <laughs> you eventually internalize it. <laughs> That's true. And what you do uh, is you go and you sit in your quarters, but you turn the light on in the adjoining room, but not in your room. And you sit <laughs> with the light kind of coming in from the other room, but you're there's nothing going on. You're well, just sitting on your bed. I mean, that's you do a lot of things that way in Star Trek. That's how you go and look at a picture of your dead sister while you're babysitting. There's a lot of reasons why you would sit in a dark room with the light on in the next room. Uh, um, this is in the past trauma has to be dealt with or it'll keep affecting your life genre of Star Trek stories. Mm. But in this one, Ro is clearly working through her internalized shame or feelings of inadequacy at being Bajoran. She's gotten farther along than some of them with the name and the earring thing, but she still thinks she doesn't deserve fair treatment. She didn't defend herself at her court martial. Yeah. She goes and sits alone in a room where everyone hates her because she feels like she deserves it. She goes along with a stupid and illegal plan and then feels like it's her problem to solve alone somehow. Yeah. Uh, the episode is long on problem and short on solution. And also, this is a pretty easy story to tell without having to invoke science fiction. So... It's not, you know, it's not a world beater here, but uh, sure. I'm not mad at it. I gave it a five. Uh, flip around. Give us that execution. Uh, Michelle Forbes came in with big energy a few episodes ago in Half a Life, yeah. and she brings big energy to this one, too. So you understand why they wanted her. Yeah, dude. She was in that Timison episode for one scene and just fucking <laughs> tore the whole set down on the way out. In a scene with, I think we've determined the best acting performance in the whole show (laughs) from the other guy. Yes, that was the best acting scene in all of Star Trek for sure. (laughs) Uh, She does. She blows that one up real good. But of course, the reason they wrote this one was because Gene was cold and in the ground and they wanted to start introducing conflict among the main cast. Yes, you are not wrong. So they had to have the this character who's not a perfect Starfleet whatever, right? And that's dumb because this show uh, fucking dominated the Star Trek weeks here without yeah. that idea. And so whatever. Yeah, it's like these fuckers but weren't looking in our rubric, which I hate because we didn't if put they all had this work seen in for nothing. Ratings, they would they would have taken some of the conflict out of some of the other shows. I've been sending it back through a wormhole, which goes twenty <laughs> years in the past. Sorry, thirty years in the past. Thirty years in the past. And I've been trying to show them the scores, and they're ignoring me. First of all, they don't have email, which is a real problem. 
it is a problem. They had email yeah. in uh, 1991, probably. The Star Trek writers? I have no idea. Oh, well, the Star Trek writers probably <laughs> did, but I bet the Star Trek producers did. Yeah. Um, it was probably a good instinct to stick with the Cardassians and introduce the idea of the Bajoran resistance here, even if they hadn't flushed it out yet. But the original pitch was that the Romulans were the problem here. Yeah. So... I'm glad that they chose the Cardassians, but, you know, that's not for reasons of this episode. Sure. Uh, Guinan befriends Ro a little too quickly, but I guess we accept that because she's an intuitive weirdo. Yeah. It's actually very... It's not a f- huge... like, forcefully. She, like, forces her to be friends. Yes. Well, that's kind of her deal, though. Like, she'll go uh, fuck up Worf's confidence on the phaser range. <laughs> yeah. Or... Sure. She'll uh, maybe later she'll pretend she has tennis elbow to try and convince Doctor Crusher to do something. A real meddler. She is a meddler. Yeah. Uh, this is not a huge episode, but uh, you like to see Picard figure out a way to keep everyone alive and outwit a crooked admiral. And uh, also in 2021, you like to see someone realize that their prejudgment of someone else was wrong and accept them. <laughs> <laughs> Just because their nose is a little different, you know. That's fucking refreshing at the end for Picard to go. Yeah, you're not so bad. And she wears that earring, which is against God, I assume, is the problem. Some God. That it's against I'm, the Christian I'm sure, God. I'm sure we'll have 15 minutes about uniform regulations later. Yes. Um, but uh, for me, it's a six in execution. Ben, what do you think? Ben? Uh, I think... I think it's really interesting that they introduced the Bajorans. I, I, I do like getting out of the... Uh, the the purely episodic nature a little bit it it, it felt like they were important it, it, they were important mostly in relation to Ensign Rowe um, mm-hmm. to kind of give her context and importance and and you know get get her involved right away um, but it, but it was cool because it, it did hook in other plot points you know with the Cardassians and the the treaty that that uh, the Federation now has so it. It, it's it's going in, uh, Judah, like you said, going in slightly a, a different direction where there's actual, you know, longer story arcs and, and just points along the way in, in their history. Um, let's see, the the bar scene, I thought, started off pretty silly. Um, you know, it, it does put everybody on notice that she's doing something weird. You know, why are you in, in, the, in a bar? Um, and, you know, but you don't want to be around anybody. Um, go, you know, my comment was, you know, drinking your quarters like any respectable alcoholic. Um, That's right. Or synthaholic. I don't know. Is that a thing? Uh, the uh, but then I especially appreciated then that Guyton, you know, calls it calls it straight out in her uh, not being subtle uh, way. And man, she she really is, you know, the one of the coolest characters because she's always right. Uh, you know, her her uh, her conversation style has has plot armor. Um, yeah. Picard, uh, let's, uh, I guess some, there's some characterization up in here, but, um, it's interesting that they chose to have Picard treat Ensign Rowe with kind of with kid gloves from the very beginning. She, she, you know, she was, uh, you know, big dogging the captain in his own writing room a little bit. I thought, I don't want to be here. Well, she's his problem, right? right? Like. Admiral Kennelly put her on the ship. He's got to deal with her for now. Right. I mean, he can kind of, I don't know. He, he could have handled that much, much more harshly. But he, he well, we know her, Riker would have. Well, exactly. Right. And he, yeah. he can't keep it off his face. 
I think uh, Franks didn't like Michelle Forbes. (laughs) Maybe something like that comes through. (laughs) Um, We've seen it before with Riker not being able to handle personnel shit with Barkley, where he can't handle it. He's he's in the worst job. Hold on a second. He was late. I want him ejected into the sun. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting that they go with the what we've seen as kind of a common federation bias of if something works, then you're really not in trouble or you're not in as much trouble. Uh, I, I kind of feel like that's that's something that the federation uh, definitely approves of. If, if you if you fuck it up and get caught, then then you are you know demoted to two levels of rank. But if you're uh, if you're successful, then you're you're given a promotion. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, her her disobedient nature kind of becomes crucial to the whole thing. I thought that was an interesting take. And as you said, it's not a not a normal Star Trek way of doing things. They're kind of this is the first step off the uh, Gene Roddenberry path. Um, The one thing I I really didn't like was the I I didn't understand the Admiral at all. Why, Why he's doing what he's doing. Um, mm-hmm. Whose side is he really on? I mean, is is he is he? I guess he's on the Cardassian side the whole time. But why? For and, reasons. For yeah, reasons. We, he, he's I, just paper thin. They're just like, oh, you met with our Cardassian guy, and he convinced you of this. But it's like, why? But why? Yeah. How? Because we're such good buddies with the Cardies now, I guess. Um, yeah. But anyway, all, all of that. I thought it was pretty good, um, and I gave it a five. Little, little, little bit little bit down because of the, the the lack of any real antagonist that meant anything yeah uh i agreed it's a five uh our cool tng crew hate this lady before they ever lay eyes on her so then everything well, she's she a does, real tam elbrin <laughs> exactly yeah she beams on and in the transporter room they're already like fuck this lady and so everything she does they assume is going to back up her bad reputation but she really has uh guts and I don't know, integrity, I guess, and just doesn't fit in that well. And she saves the day, and they all learn a lesson. Maybe. Who knows? Um, again, sorry, Gene. We're very much in the new Star Trek, the gray area where nobody's really good or bad. We're in that phase of Star Trek now. Um, Judah usually covers this. There were a ton of whoopsies about speed and distance and time in this episode <laughs> that kept pissing me off. But when they needed to be somewhere and how fast they were going and how it all worked. Um, <laughs> super dumb that Picard didn't appear to tell Worf or Riker about his cool plan. They seem well, totally neither shocked. one of them reacts. <laughs> they're, like, they're both looking around like, what? We're just gonna, they're blowing up? I guess they're blowing up. I guess we blow up some dudes. Well, Riker remembers that last week he was like, hey, Worf's on that ship. And Picard's like, I don't care. <laughs> it's right. Not my ship. Also, what was Picard's plan? I was so confused in the end. What happens is the Cardassians blow up the ship, but the ship's empty, right? Yeah. Then he just gets on the horn with Admiral, what's his name, and says... "Um." Well, the, Admir- the Admiral's like... I assume uh, lost with all hands. Yeah, he's That's, like, no, uh, sir. That was my plan, so what? Uh, he goes, are they all dead? He goes, no, sir. And he goes, oh, survivors? And he goes, no, sir, there was nobody on board. And it's like, all he does then is tell the guy they couldn't possibly have attacked the colony because they ain't got the ships. 
And the guy's like, wait, what are you saying? And it's like, why didn't, when he got off the asteroid with Orta, just call the Admiral and go, hey, and do it. (laughs) They didn't do it. Like, they don't have the ships. Because that's all he says to him later. So why do we need the whole plan where the ship flies around up there on remote control and gets blown up? Well, because... Hey, Picard has I, or no to idea just show me a- what what his what the motivations of that admiral are either. So he's got to do this crazy ass plan to maybe suss it out. I guess I, I did feel like he was trying to feel out if the admiral was a patsy mm-hmm. or if the admiral was actually sinister. Mm-hmm. So they and had, I think it settle. We settle on he's just an idiot. Yeah, they had to blow up the whole ship for that and everything. They had to do that. Old yeah, Orta lost a cruiser. Yeah, who's gonna pay for that? Admiral. You're right, though. He should have called and said, hey, Orta just showed me his ships, and uh, they travel at roughly the speed of... Fart. Uh, you ever see a? You ever see one of them videos where someone has a diarrhea in a hot tub <laughs> and it just starts spread, like, you just see the water changing color? Anyway, they definitely didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, because that's all he says to him later. Could have just told him earlier. Anyway. Um, another dumb false flag operation in sci-fi. Those are... Oh, I know. They fucking... And Star Trek is particularly in love with false flags. Yeah, unfortunately, that it's the kind of thing... Not that I think everyone's using Star Trek as their evidence, but it's the kind of thing that makes it so that people are like... They can say they're fake false flag bullshit in real life. Um... His hand passed in front of and behind a microphone. <laughs> Trump is still president. <laughs> That's right. No collusion. Um, I thought it was effective overall. I especially liked the portrayal of the different Bajora that we meet. They all seem sort of practical and like they ain't the Stooges of the week or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just a five. Yeah, you notice that they did not present these guys like uh, uh Sovereign Maruk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You the, know what I'm talking the, about. Um, <laughs> Why have I forgotten the name of the main guy? The poor man's Kurt Russell. Right. Um, <laughs> fuck. Chorgon was in there, too. Chorgon is... Chorgon, does Chorgon leave Chor- them, Chorgon's too? his boss. Um, yeah, okay. His name is... Um, <laughs> f- fuck. It don't matter. Crawl anyway, or something. I don't remember. They weren't like headbutting each other around a trash fire or whatever. <laughs> yeah, these guys seem like they're kind of on the ball considering. Yeah. Um, going to world building. Mott knows the Federation shouldn't colonize so close to former enemies, but for some reason, no one else can figure that out. <laughs> a whole colony was destroyed this week. Solarian 4 or whatever. I mean, there were survivors. Yeah. But they keep talking about how the whole fucking thing was wiped out. You can still get a bad cold from the Cardis or whoever. Um, so we get the TNG backstory on the Bajorans. Sorry, the Bajora. But it's all different. It's like when we did. This the- is the only time they'll ever be called the Bajora, by the way. Even the next time Ensign Rowe talks about them, they're the Bajorans. Well, the Bajora, right. is, the Bajora are the uh, friends of the Vulcanians. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, listen, we watched an episode this week where someone says everyone will learn to speak Klingonese. So, (laughs) (laughs) by the way, Star Trek never never gets this right. I definitely thought that guy just like 
like his sentence trailed off at the end. I thought he was going to say Klingonese, but then it just came out Klingonese, and I, did he just? He was just sick well, the, of the line. He didn't want to say it all. The caption for sure says Klingonese, but uh, <laughs> he for sure didn't. Uh, let's see. Uh, so the whole story is different, just like with the Trill episode. Um, they got like refugee emigration all over the place to all these various worlds, which I guess makes sense since Rose already been through the academy and shit. And there are plenty of other Bajora in Starfleet, apparently. Right. Um, so, also, Picard was reading about Bajor when he was in the fifth grade, and that was a long time ago. So they've been very familiar with the Bajorans for a long time. Okay, it was mm. a long time ago, but was it before or after the Cardassian annexation of Bajor? I don't know. I think Because Picard is supposed to be in his early 60s, right? Yes. Mm. But that and the Cardassians, the Cardassian only annexed it forty years ago. The, yeah, well, the Cardi War with uh, the Federation was what twenty years? They said. Yep, it was a long ass time. Hmm. Yeah, so that means fifty years ago he was already reading about them in school. Who knows how long before yeah, that? But that was when that. they were st- probably still artists and stuff. All right. So I'm still just still following their Dajara. That means that at least that long. The Federation has been very aware of the Bajorans and who they are and yep. everything. They're, they are not. Well, they a... apparently did absolutely dick when the Cardassians <laughs> invaded. Exactly right. It's too bad they didn't have the Infinity Gauntlet orbs or whatever uh, that they have later, so they could have turned back time and and you know, fought the Cardassians. Never mind. <laughs> you mean the ones that Kira plays with this week off screen? <laughs> Seems pretty um... effective to me. Is all I'm saying. The uh, the Bajorans have, the Bajora have a long and proud history. Picard says to this guy, "We've had our issues with the Cardassians too." Yeah, like that twenty-year space war. <laughs> Do the Bajorans not know about that? Does he have to tell them about that? Uh, well, Keith Fowler's real. What have you done for me lately, guy? So I guess. Uh, Ro did a fuck up of some kind on Galon too, and eight people died. Um, Worf says one of his things he says when he beams down somewhere where they think they just tell Michael Dorn to say something security <laughs> and it's always something stupid and this week it was maintain tricorder security link <laughs> don't know what that means well we know that it does not help uh, <laughs> the dream team Data and Troy <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> learn that they've been captured nope not at all. It's like that time he was down there on uh, Turkana 4, and he's like, extreme caution is warranted. And you're like, huh? <laughs> what do you mean? I know. This is a rape. Yeah, we heard it. Hey, we heard about the rape gang, man. <laughs> we know. I, I know. This. Everybody down here, real cautious. Yeah, he always just has some bullshit to say. Uh, another shitty Federation Admiral. I gave it a four. I did think, because it was very clear they're setting up Roe to be around. That we'll probably mm-hmm. have to hear more about the Bajora, but I didn't really know what to make of all of it. <laughs> it's a lot, Ben. Where were you on this? Uh, I'll just say I was at a four as well. The the debacle on Galon or Garon or whatever too. Uh, nose makeup is very pronounced on Ensign Row. I, I always think that's really interesting when you see kind of the first introduction of aliens, especially ones that they're not sure are going to last forever on the mm-hmm. show. Uh, it's it's always just a little rougher. 
um, the design uh, than than they are later. Yeah, no, I agree. It is always like Delenn in the pilot versus Delenn in series. Yeah. That's right. Um, let's see. The it, it's funny that the resource and excess of power that the Federation and and specifically the em- Enter- Enterprise has that they can just give away tons of material to the Bajoran colony, and it's just no big deal, you know. Uh, blankets for every every individual and medical supplies and blah 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 blah. They just beam all that shit down and no big deal. Yeah, we could just make that. I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <Yeah. laughs> Why do you guys just make some? I don't get. Yeah, it. yeah, exactly. There's... In an age when their technology should be able to provide for everyone. <laughs> To see them reduced to this. <laughs> he says as if it's like just because of the year on the calendar, every single planet in the yeah. galaxy should be able to do this. Uh, yep. and, and you see those guys like milking goats in the back and making blankets out of their hair. It's 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 stupid. Um, <laughs> he should have married them off to a technologically advanced planet of cloners <laughs> whose technology right. was breaking down. <laughs> he had a ton of good solutions Oof. in the old days. Now he's just he's fucking over the hill. I would have given it 10 points for world building if, uh, <laughs> under his breath records, it's like the fucking bring Lloydy again. <laughs> Bagora. Um, yeah. So there, yeah. Whoa. Actually, there is another intra federation plot of some, of some sort here. This is what's second, third, fourth. I don't, I don't know. Lost track. Um, I, at first I thought Kennelly was actually going to be a better schemer than most. And then of course I remembered that they have to resolve it this episode. Um, yeah, but, that's but, the problem. but he did, I, I sort of liked when he's, he tells, uh, Picard, Hey, you know what you decide and I'll just back you up. You know, if, if you need to let the mm-hmm. Cardassians have them and blow their asses up, I'll support you. No problem. He, he fucking <laughs> tries the manipulation first, but he's not patient about no. it at all. No, no. So when Picard says, I can't leave him to die, it's like, well, you do now it. it's a fucking order. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> But you know, but of course he's outsmarted. But I'm like, you know, for for just a hot minute, I'm like, okay, that's that's something that that somebody would actually try, you know, uh, not just order them, you know, uh, to do it right off the bat, just see if they'll do it kind of on their own. Right, like when our dad had a family vote to see if we were going to put the cat down. I oh. think he <laughs> thought that somebody else was going to vote his way to keep the cat alive, but we all voted thumbs down. And then he went, well, never mind, my vote counts for five. <laughs> Uh, if you have to be taking a vote on a cat, usually, usually it's time. Um, I get, I gave it four. Uh, I was just one point behind you guys here with a three. Um, obviously the we, Bajorans are in Starfleet. How, what's the pro, what's the process? How you get <laughs> Wait, in? Are they in Starfleet? Yeah. Oh no. The Ensign Rose is oh, well, Starfleet. Ensign yeah. Rose is, and she's not the only one. She's, she's um, I mean, in Voyager, there is that guy, but. Well, she's not the only one because when Kennelly tries to foist her off on Picard, he tell, oh. he says there are other Bajorans right. in Starfleet, mm-hmm. surely one of them. And he says, I've already talked it over with her. And I'm no, not this one's into schemes. Another, I'm not briefing another Bajoran. This one likes schemes and I like schemes. So we're getting along. Listen, I went to all the work of get busting her out of prison. So that's right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and uh, fe- setting up Federation colonies on the Cardassian. See, it's very difficult because all of this stuff becomes big later. Yeah. Like this destroyed Federation colony is one of the one of the examples of things that you know, like eventually the Maquis will surface, but they don't even surface in this story. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to give it credit for stuff that other writers are going to do with it later. Right. 
other better so writers. I settled at I settled at the standard three. Uh, flip it around to the characterization. Yeah, uh, Riker is the kind of asshole who selectively applies rules to people he doesn't like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jordy hasn't learned anything from his experience with Barkley and still thinks some people just don't belong on the Enterprise and nothing can be done about it. Yeah, even though he seemed to come around in the Barkley episode, but I guess not. It's a fun little peek at the at Federation privilege. Uh, ben already mentioned the blankets, but for me, the scene at the conference room where everybody is so excited about how Jazz Olza uh, mm. is, uh, he speaks at the symposiums, and Picard's like, oh, it's great that we've worked with him before, he's got diplomatic experience or whatever. He's a good dancer. And then, and then Ezra says, that guy's nobody. Yeah. That guy's a, the t- again the token Bajoran that the Federation likes to pal around with, yeah. and th- I just like how they're pretty naive about it, and they've latched onto this. Um, I mean, model minority is not the exact right expression. He's Don Lemon. Is, so- is that what you're saying? Well, <laughs> is it Judah's words that he's Don Lemon? Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, Beverly Crusher looks dumb, but you notice that she and Troy don't even. Uh, hold a grudge about it. They they're the ones who want to try and sit with Edson Rowe and get to know her, Good and point. then she doesn't want to. She doesn't want to, and they give her a real stink face. Yeah. Well, like, well, fuck you. We tried. Well, come on. I mean, you they they reached out. They got their hands bit. Yeah, it's just. I mean, I'll I'll cover it in my characterization. Uh, <laughs> even Picard wouldn't have come around if Guinan hadn't put her oar in. Sure, but True. I guess he gets a little bit of credit for being the sort of the first one to entertain the idea that Rolaren wasn't trash. Yeah, at least when he's down on that planet with her the first time, the blankets time, he's like, "Yeah, no, oh, this is because of you. You did good." And she's like, "No, nah, it was the blankets, bro." Yeah. Well, yeah, I was gonna say uh, he, he he does among anybody gives gives her the opportunity to to try to un, unfuck her situation. Yeah. Yeah. The tricky thing with Ro Laren is that it is you definitely do get the impression that she's going to stick around, but we keep getting introduced to characters mm. like a Sonia Gomez or somebody <laughs> oh. that seem like they're going to be around <laughs> and then they're not. Yeah. So it's hard to know how strong the way. So I'll say she's obviously a very strong character, like you said. Uh, she's she comes in and she's a real king. Yep. Um, but. All we have in this episode is everyone's kind of shitty to her based on rumors, and then at the end, Picard lets her wear her earring. <laughs> yep. So, uh, for me, I gave it a four, and, but I could see a five. Okay. And Ben, what did you think? Well, I gave it a five, is what I think. Um, so, obviously, they're establishing uh, Ensign Rowe as anti-authoritarian, um, you know, Picard doesn't think she should be in Starfleet, and nobody else does. Um, it's it's an interesting position, I think, because Picard doesn't normally have quite that strong of a of, of an opinion about things, and you know, and and then when she shows up, she he's he's at least willing to to entertain the idea that maybe she can be some kind of asset uh, to the mission. So it, it, interesting that he can have those two opinions and uh, mm-hmm. uh, at the same time. Um, 
so uh-huh. well he's he's the one who's better about Barkley too True. right like when they first introduce him he's like well all right so this is your opportunity to make him a better officer right. also do your fucking job do I, your job and shut up he is kind of a pretty pretty great leader i mean all in all i mean i think i think most of the most of the, the uh most of the opportunities he gets to be a really good leader uh among the uh the 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 crew of his own ship he he does come through you know most of the time yeah if he's I mean, in the episode at all the problem is when they like write him out of an episode mm-hmm. and he has like one line that line's usually trash like in the one where Warp yeah. wants to kill himself and he says be a good friend and kill him god <laughs> uh, that's true when he doesn't want to be bothered <laughs> and then suddenly right. fuck you i'm on vacation um i get yeah. it man um yeah, I, I thought it was very, very cool, very interesting that he that Picard cuts uh, Rose so much slack in the beginning. Um, he's he, he changing his leadership style to suit the situation. Uh, I mean, li- literally none of the other captains do that throughout all of the series that I can think of, really. Maybe Cisco a tiny bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't think of nothing. Uh Roe knows the right person to talk to, so I mean, her her time in prison, I guess, uh, is is good for uh, for that. I don't know. Um, Guinan hints that uh, she was uh, saved from some serious problems by uh, by Picard, adding mm-hmm. to the mystery, but but also you know giving giving just enough of a of of that backstory of you know why a captain of a of the flagship would listen to the bartender. Um, yeah. The uh, Picard tells Kennelly that he's naive. I thought that was a pretty sick burn. I love that. Um, you, you don't tell admirals that they're naive. Well, uh, always important to remind ourselves that Picard is connected as hell. He's so oh, yeah. connected. If this guy gets uppity, he's just going to call his buddy Aaron and settle it real quick. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, new cast member, maybe, sort of. It's, you know, as usual, Judah, you said it's hard to know whether they're going to stick around. Um, but, you know, at least it was uh, um, even if it was just the one episode, you can you can have this you know, concept that there's a, a good, strong character running around the Enterprise, you know, firing the, the to- torpedoes when ordered, you know, that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I love that they, uh, you know, spend spend the time to flesh out this character, whether it's a throwaway or, or somebody who's going to stick. And I gave Agreed. it I give it a five. Okay. Uh, I got a lot to cover here. Definitely long enough. If somebody needed to pee, they'd be able to get that done by the time I'm done, for sure. Um, 25 seconds. Mott uh, doesn't know he's creating a real negative stereotype about Bolians among the Federation crew, does he? <laughs> no. He's, if he knew, I think he'd tone it down a little bit. The the other bowl, the Indian Bolian that we saw the last time uh-huh. was kind of a prototype of this, but they really turned it up to eleven. <laughs> yep, it's like whenever, whenever the Running Man cast goes abroad, and then I just the whole time my stomach hurts, and I'm going, <laughs> "Stop it! You're playing into stereotypes. You don't even know. It's stop doing that. Stop shouting English words in supermarkets." <laughs> um. Picard hates conversations with his barber just like I do. Um, but Picard is a racist that doesn't know the first and last names, how that whole thing works with Bajorans, and doesn't seem to care. 
She corrects him, and I he mean, does he, not care. He apologizes for it he, in a way that, and he do, and then he keeps it up. He apologizes in a way that is like, "Sorry, you're such a bitch." Yeah, a little what, bit. <laughs> what the apology sounded like. It's wild, by the way, that that. Well, I mean, it's just quick hitters, but it's wild that this is a problem in the Federation because Picard has two crewmen who only use one name. <laughs> yep, that's true. Worf. By the way, Worf seems to have a last name. You'd think he would. It's either Son of Moog or Rajenko. Russian, yeah. Yeah, but he's just Lieutenant Worf. Data, no first name, no middle name. Mm -hmm. Just Data. No problems. Why? Who's putting pressure on the Bajorans to switch their name order around? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, At least Picard starts to That's the kind of bullshit that you get on the Wellington. That's right. (laughs) Uh, Picard starts to smarten up when he sees the refugee camp in person, but he's kind of a bad diplomat. Like, each scene starts with him telling a Bajoran guy what he, Picard, is there to accomplish. And each of those guys rightly responds by saying, I don't care about that. I mean, obviously, I don't care about that. It is true. (laughs) Maybe you can tell me, the person who has nothing, what you're going to do for me, and then we can have a conversation. But Picard doesn't seem to understand that part. Um, I think Picard might be bored because he is so thrilled when he learns Roe and Kennelly have been doing a secret mission and he can mess <laughs> oh, up. Oh, it's big. Yeah, it's big. It's a big day for him. <laughs> he loves double, triple cross time. He's so excited to get to do a plan. Uh, if Roe Laren got characterization, this is obviously only her first appearance. Um, everybody hates her but she's my favorite regular or recurring character just shows up and tells everybody they're dumb and wrong and doesn't care if she ever gets promoted or even goes back to jail or whatever. If I could redo one Star Trek thing, I'd make sure she became a regular, whether it was on TNG or DS nine. Yep. Uh, she's got her dark backstory, uh, her current adventure with Admiral shit, Dick, etc. Riker makes a racist request for Roe to remove her earring. Meanwhile, Worf is basically 85% Klingon sash. Just, <laughs> he can't even barely see his uniform. There's so much of that thing. It must, there must be a moment where she walks up on the bridge and Troy is in her purple unitard. <laughs> and she just must look at Riker and go, okay, so on this ship, we definitely follow uniform, Starfleet uniform regulations. <laughs> oh, okay, got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got it. Uh, cool. I see. <laughs> Uh, Riker's hair puffs up when he gets mad at her and his, his head gets all hot and sweaty and I thought that's exactly what happens to me <laughs> when I get mad I can feel my hair on my head start to stand up and I noticed it in him and then I thought he is my dad um, <laughs> Crusher definitely fucked Jazz Holza yeah, definitely <laughs> wanted to brag she to doesn't everybody. say it she doesn't say it, but you know that she uh, has told Troy privately in a yoga session that he had the hands of a surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> she fucking wanted to brag to everybody in that room that she got saddled up by some kind of foreigner, for <laughs> sure. Uh, I found Troy to be so worthless in this. She can read Rose's emotions, but still just makes a stink face at her. Where's the empathy, mm-hmm. Troy? You're supposed to be an empath. <laughs> then, five seconds later, Guinan goes over and becomes her best friend. 
Guinan is the real ship's counselor. That's right. <laughs> we keep seeing it. Like, Troy is here to read Romulan's minds, and that's it. That's the whole game. Troy's the one who needs to, like, fucking sign off or whatever on your personnel files that says you've done your yearly counseling, but mm-hmm. everyone knows that if you have a real problem, you go to Gaina. She must have so <laughs> many people who stop coming to her, and when she asks why they're not coming to their appointments, they're like, I talked to Gaina, it's cool. I'm good. <laughs> she helped me, she really helped me understand why I was doing some stuff. I was in 10 forward <laughs> sulking, and she came over and like, it's cool now, I'm good. <clears throat> why is Troy on this mission on this planet using a tricorder? What's happening? <laughs> well... It is. It's wild, right? Because they they were prepped for a diplomatic mission, and then when that didn't happen, and it just became cave time with guns, she just, Troy still went down. She goes down there. I don't understand it. <laughs> Send either a security person or I don't know someone who's good at reading the tricorder and send them down. But- but by the way, Picard rolled up to the transporter room with a phaser and a tricorder both about to fall out of his holsters because he's <laughs> not wearing the normal uniform, and they didn't fix it. Yep. Yeah, they're but, not well uh, prepared for this. They still brought Troy. It's insane. I didn't understand it. Um, only Guinan actually wants to help Ro. It's good Guinan as always. I think she feels a kinship with Ro because they both lost their world. At least she says that. Again, another allusion to Guinan and Picard's mysterious backstory. I'm glad they never tell us what the real stuff is because they write it bad. Well, they wouldn't have gotten it right for yeah, sure. They'd write it so bad. Data makes a frustrated shit face when the Bajorans have guns on him. He does. <laughs> and he fucking whips that little, he puts a little spin on that phaser as he throws it into the dirt. What fucking action movie was he watching to learn that? It's crazy. <laughs> Worf really needs to go through his reads, I think. He always, like, stares down his first option and just then throws a pick. <laughs> he always just goes... <laughs> I was told these guys are bad, so I'm convinced they're bad forever. He says out loud, why would anyone want to frame the Bajorans? I mean, yeah, bro. (laughs) Why don't you think about that question? And then it will become immediately clear who's doing it and why. Yeah, maybe. Maybe people who have recently signed a treaty and don't want any kind of light shown on their treatment of the Bajorans. It's like the the way it's like the, I was told the Bajorans are terrorists, so they're the bad guys. Just like in that other episode, I was told um, Simon Tarsus is a bad guy, so I'm all over him. And you uh-huh. can't just like just go through the progression and be like, well, what if there's something else going on? Maybe he's not well, a good. He should have kept. He should have kept the red shirt and just worked just worked on the sensors or whatever, <laughs> mm-hmm. or sat at the con sometimes when Data was busy. Uh, and it was. Picard's and Riker's racist decision to make him the new security officer. Yeah. That set him on a real bad path and led to him essentially becoming a religious zealot. Yeah. <laughs> he becomes like, DS9 Wharf. I, I feel like they, they they definitely did the thing where, you know, you're you're a professional scout and you're like, this this defenseman just has the look of a great hockey player. He's fucking huge. He's built like a brick shit house. He's gonna be great. And then he's a fucking lump. When you get him on the ice, yeah. I feel like that's exactly what they did to Worf. You know, they they could have absolutely kept him in, in in a red uniform and just borrowed him on occasion. You know, when they needed the money. Yeah. Uh, also, when that's, he was in the great. red oh, uniform, let's do a. Th- can we get a third sports metaphor in yeah. there? Like <laughs> he looks, he has the he looks like he has the lungs of a great kabaddi player, <laughs> but then it turns 
turns out he's just flat-footed out there. It's it's he's very bad at comedy. Breathing tag. Yeah, for sure. I was going to compare him to uh, Adonis Davis jumping out of that pool, but <laughs> it's fine. Well, that's still a football metaphor, though. It's really hard to do that. Uh, yeah, and plus, when he was on the red shirt, he would always just scream things like, I'm a Klingon, for battle, come <laughs> to me, and stuff like that. And so, like, you knew he'd be down. Like, you didn't have to make him the security guy. <laughs> That's true. He would have still been up there in a fight, even yeah, if he wasn't yeah. the ship's security chief. And if they, you just you could give the investigations to someone else who was more intellectually curious. Maybe I don't know. Um, it's this is Riker's fault, right? Jordy should have stayed on the command track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had tremendous aptitude for it. Worf should never have been the security chief. But these positions opened up, and Riker just slotted somebody into them. Oh, not only somebody. You can tell Jordy got that gig because they're all buddies. <laughs> That's true from the... Uh, from the hood. Uh, hood. Uh, he's like, my my good buddy Jordy's going to be the new chief engineer. He kind of knows about engineering. I don't know. I'm sorry, the ship's pilot? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's been the pilot, but now he's the chief engineer. That's some bullshit. Um, I loved Roe, but the main crew kind of sucked in this one, so it's a four for me. I don't think pilots have to be that smart. Think about it. TP, Chekhov. Oh, right. Hmm. Uh, Mayweather. Nice boy. Mayweather. Mayweather. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quick hitters. My turn. Yeah, give them to me. Uh, Riker definitely curtly told Mott he had duties to attend to, stood up, tugged his jacket down, uh, without the TC tugger knob, of course, and <laughs> briskly walked out of there, and Mott turned that into full agreement. That's obviously <laughs> what happened when he tells Picard that Riker agreed with him. Yep. Uh, again, I didn't understand the name Jazz holds uh, Keith Flores more like it. Also, this Key Floor guy is mad reasonable. He's just like, I don't wish you any particular ill, but I don't want to help yep. you either. <laughs> and the second Cardassian, what's his name? Orta is sort of the same way. Um, And then again, the dude says Cardassian when he introduces himself. Well, that's a very Star Trek problem. Yes. I heard, I heard somewhere that the way it used to work on these shows was whoever said it first is how it was pronounced. <laughs> oh, so That's got to be true. <laughs> uh, what about you, Ben? Uh, I, I can never remember that Mott is, is a thing. I, I, I still can't remember it, even though we've gone over it again in this project already. That's it. This is Mott's only actual appearance, right? I know Picard <laughs> will later assume the identity of Mott the Barber. <laughs> yes. In that great, great episode, Starship Mine. Is this the only time we've seen him? I feel like we've had... Bo- we well, saw Bolian a different Again, Bolian. We saw, yeah. There was another Bolian Barber okay. Okay. who uh, was played by an Indian actor. Gotcha. Okay. I think I was confused. And that's it. That's all I got, man. Yeah, I got a few. Uh, Matt, I'm I'm now starting to play this game every time I see an admiral, which is imagining them as a starship captain. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I was looking at this guy, and I couldn't figure out how this shady, doughy Seth MacFarlane lookalike <laughs> made admiral. Oh, he for sure reminded me of that Commodore from TOS who'd never commanded a ship, so everyone just spit uh-huh. at him. Uh-huh, that's right. <laughs> like, what was this guy's path? Because... 
he gets played real bad. Yeah. Uh, then the writers did a bad one here. Uh, Picard says, how can I believe that this order will be satisfied with more of the same? And Admiral Kennelly says to him, it's your job to see that he does, Jean-Luc. <laughs> it's his job to see that he does be satisfied. Does be satisfied. He does will be satisfied. <laughs> yeah. uh, does every other race use family name last? Like, how is this a problem? But then I thought about it, and both Keiko and Jim Shimoda westernized their name orders, huh? Yeah, it must just be what it's like in 23-whatever. Yeah. On this ship, you will follow Starfleet uniform code, except we let Troy wear her aerobics get up on the bridge, and Picard has a new command (laughs) cardigan this year. (laughs) Also, Worf wears some kind of baldric, and Dr. Crusher has a long blue overcoat that she got at Dress Barn. (laughs) We also make allowances for other reasons. Sometimes you'll see someone with a harmonica or something. It's no big deal. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's not a big deal at all. Uh, I mean, it's not like we have a lot of open gears and machinery that that earring could get snagged in. Like any, if the ship is safe for Worf to wear that baldric, and particularly the season one with the fringe, yeah. then it's earring safe. Oh, yeah. Imagine sitting uh, next to one of those consoles that shoots sparks all over the place. You don't want all that fringe. <laughs> That's terrible. You don't want that fringe. <laughs> Uh, Matt, at the end of this episode, Picard has such a big, dumb smile on his face when Ro puts her earring back on. Yeah. Is it because he knows it's going to frost Riker's ass? Yes. yes, it is. This is <laughs> like when he was so happy that Data had crushed the Romulans a few weeks ago, and it was because now he knows that he doesn't have to do anything with Riker anymore. He can just sit him in the back of the room or something. The Data's his new first officer. Yeah, pretty much. Uh... <laughs> Do you think Riker is so mad because about Ensign Rowe and Barkley because he was a real hot shot when he came on this ship, but now his career's kind of stalled out and he turn keeps turning down ships because he loves Picard so much, but he just heard that Picard makes fun of him to women on shore leave <laughs> and he's he feels like he's getting pushed out of decisions and <laughs> so now when when someone comes aboard who maybe doesn't have the reputation that he had when he became the first officer, he's real shitty about it. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's always of all the characters on all the shows, we have the most theory corners about Riker. He's for some reason, um, (laughs) there's a lot of psychological material there. I gave a best actor to Ensign Rowe, worst actor to Keeve Fallor. There were other choices available. Mm Mm-hmm. We did the damn thing. We uh, now only have last week's winner to dispense with. It's Deep Space Nine. This week we watched Trials and Tribulations. Two G-men from Temporal Investigations show up to Grill Cisco. They want to hear his dumb story from the beginning, so I guess we're doing flashbacks twice this week. Sucks. <laughs> and I got both of them. <laughs> Cisco says, uh, Cardassia asked for his help returning an orb to Bajor. Um, they went and they picked it up, unsure if it was real or fake. And they also picked up a passenger, one Barry Waddle. Is that what his name was? 
His fake name? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. It's his name for one scene. It don't matter. Uh, he's been crashing on a cardi couch for a long time and is excited to see humans again. Or as he says, normal faces. Anyway, on the bridge, O'Brien picks up a massive surge of chroniton radiation, and the Defiant finds itself 200 light years from their previous position. Um, are all time travel instances in Star Trek also place travel instances? Because it seems like they often are. <laughs> I was thinking yesterday's Enterprise isn't time travel. No, they go through a rift. It's unclear whether the Bozeman went into the thing at that spot. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, they're face to face with Kirk's Enterprise, you know. So, I mean, I think the answer is they would have to be because, like, even if you go back in time just at Earth, mm-hmm. Earth was moving for a couple hundred years. <laughs> That's true. So, yes, I think they are all also place travel. Um, uh, again, Kirk's Enterprise. It's, we're going to do that. We're doing that this week. Um, back in the present, these two G-men are pissed off to hear it's Kirk that they're talking about because he's a habitual time-stepper. That's their words. <laughs> yep. Back in the flashback, they figure out their new passenger is actually a Klingon, but his name's Darvin. I don't remember what his Klingon name is. Made to look like a person. He, um, this makes sense if you've seen the TOS episode, which of course we have. He got to the orb, and that's what sent them through time. Um, they give the whole Trouble with Tribbles backstory. Uh, they can't find Darwin now, so he, he beamed away. It's got to be on Enterprise or the dumb space station it's orbiting. So they have a montage of getting into their period-specific gear, and they get ready to blend in. After some bullcrap for fans to get all sentimental about, Odo gets to the bar on the station. A uh, waitress reveals he's the second person to order a Rock the Geno that day, and the first one matches Darwin's description, so Odo knows he's been here recently. Yeah, he got lucky there, but um, don't take Odo on your secret missions. <laughs> he went on to a Federation space station at a time when they were at war with the Klingon Empire and ordered a Klingon coffee. Yep. <laughs> Not even thinking about it. You fucking idiot. Nah. Fortunately, that uh, waitress is ultra cool about it. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's much more concerned with just keeping her tits inside her <laughs> outfit. Like, it, it takes a lot of brain power when you got those open side outfits like that. Uh, the plot of this episode takes about six minutes in entirety, and the rest is dumb gags about being on Kirk's Enterprise and trying trying not to get found out or whatever i'll try to stick to the important points but that meant no notes for another 10 minutes of the episode uh during the stupid brawl which the ds9 crew gets that happens in trouble with tribbles <laughs> which the ds9 crew gets hella caught up in for some reason odo sees darvin walking by in the corridor he and Worf go after him and they nab him and take him back to the defiant darvin screen right uh <laughs> Uh, Darwin has hidden a bomb inside one of the fucking millions of Tribbles. So the DS9 crew splits up to search for the bomb. I guess he's going to kill Kirk and be a great hero to the Klingon Empire or something. Um, They narrow it down to the space station, but there are too many Tribbles to search, so they surmise that it's going to be somewhere Kirk is supposed to be, because that's the plot. They figure out the Tribbles at the storage compartment, 
Cisco finds the bomb and they beam it into space. I guess nobody's going to detect that explosion with those shitty sensors from the 2200s. <laughs> I guess not. Because it they sure beam it right next to the station, huh? <laughs> it just explodes out there. And their you can look out concluded. the fucking window. Yeah, no one saw it, apparently. Cisco gives kind of an all-time hand wave and says, when we returned to the Defiant, Kira had found a way to use the orb to get us home. <laughs> mm-hmm, that's good news. Cisco goes out of his way to say goodbye to Kirk, and we get back to the present. The investigators say, I don't know, no harm done, probably. They leave, and then it's revealed that the station's overrun by Tribbles now. I don't know if those guys didn't notice or just didn't care. Anyway. Again, that was the actual plot. There was so much just fucking around with nostalgia. Uh, what was this one about? Uh, isn't Star Trek neat? Yeah. <laughs> I wish it was. I mean, seriously, I don't think this episode had much to say. Could it be a very tortured metaphor for setting aside the seriousness of old age in favor of the joyfulness of youth? Oof. Come on. Only if you really, really squint. Um, <laughs> I could only give it a one. This is... Uh, okay, so first of all, this is the Star Trek 30th anniversary episode. Yeah. The Voyager did one. We talked about it a couple of years ago. The one with Sulu? Where... Where two, yeah, where Tuvok was on Sulu's Excelsior. Yeah, uh, that I think also did not score super great. No, but it I, was more of an episode of Star Trek than this. I think uh, we literally had the takes were something like, um, "Weren't the old days super cool? Wouldn't it be cool to be cool like the old guys were?" Yeah, there's a lot in that one of Janeway talking about how she wished she could have been a cool frontier pirate. No mm-hmm. rules. Pirate. Space pirate. Colonizer. Buccaneer. <laughs> Buccaneer. Yeah. She becomes yeah. a pirate after that episode. I could only track it to that. <laughs> um, this is from, this is the exact same thing. Uh, it's just uh, happens later in the run of Deep Space Nine because they're two years apart. But uh, right. I don't, I think there was nothing. This is just a pure attempt to say, hey, <laughs> hey, remember this trouble with Tribbles? <laughs> That's a famous that was one. fun. At the end, Scotty said there'd be no trouble at all. That's right. We don't show that, but he did say it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think uh, probably because they were going to be a massive amount of triple on the uh, on DS9. Yeah. Yes. What about you, Ben? Uh, well, I was the target audience for this episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, basically, the, the, the take is just just fun weird shit in space uh basically uh i i really enjoyed this episode so i wish i could give it points but i can't because mm-hmm. it's zero um is it a no take it no no it's a zero okay okay um it, it, in the end it's, it's really just a derivative work of a classic obviously um the the one thing that i could i could almost give it points for which i but i don't think i can it doesn't it doesn't fuck up the good things about the original it okay. it, it it just is kind of a, a veneer over the top of it so i think it's okay but it doesn't have a take a zero take i mean i keep waiting someday we'll get to use that drop i made for a no take <laughs> it'll, eventually it'll come <laughs> 
is today the day you still haven't given your take for this episode no unfortunately i have a a shitty sarcastic take instead Um, (laughs) by the way this tells you how bad an episode has to be premise wise to get a no take yeah exactly right this is an episode where the crew of deep space nine goes back in time and watches the trouble with tribbles (laughs) yes there there are fucking there are times where i can't even trying as hard as i can come up with a shitty sarcastic take but this week i did get one uh it's okay to have fun on an important mission as Mm -hmm. long as like you know you get the job done Mm. Okay. They all have a lot of fun. Even Cisco, who says, "Hey, we shouldn't be having fun. We should be working." At the end, makes a special stop to go meet Kirk. Yeah, everyone Cisco has a compounds great time. his his accidental temporal violation with a very deliberate temporal <laughs> violation. I mean, this is tough. I, I gave it a one for the sarcastic take. I guess it is okay to have fun if you get the job done. But like, I don't know if you should tell people that. You should probably tell people it's, you should get the job done. Ah, <laughs> uh, boy, execution. <clears throat> yeah, how'd they do, Matt? Well, obviously this was a nostalgia play with almost no plot. In fact, they hand-wave what little plot there is so you can just jam in more TOS stuff. Uh, it was not made for this rubric at all, but even taking that into account, it was pretty boring. <laughs> um, Nobody is cool at all, whether they're from Kirk's time or Cisco's time. So just everyone you see, you kind of go, these people fucking suck. These two investigators are purposely set up as humorless stereotypes rather than making an attempt at, like, depicting a real person, so that was sort of an immediate turnoff. And the Klingon thing really fucks up the show in a bad way if you care about world building. Yeah, it's rough. So, I gave it a two. <laughs> By the way, I just uh, looked, uh, Trouble with Tribbles, we gave 37 <laughs> points. We, we scored it pretty go. well. Well, it was a romp. Did it score high in execution? Uh, We each gave it a five on take, and it was... I just moused away from it. Uh, Um, I gave it a seven on execution. You only gave it a three. Okay. Well, it's like as if we both gave it a five. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'll, I'll go. So despite the fact that I actually undershot both of you guys on execution or on take somehow i uh i scored it pretty good on execution um okay so the this darvin guy um i i didn't recognize him right off the bat uh but you know later on you know through through the way he acts you can absolutely see that's the same guy um it's a wild fucking story how he got in this show by the way I'm, I'm eager to hear it um it's 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 interesting there there's just a lot of a lot of little stuff that that probably the uh, i was my geeking out you know pulled into my notes i mean i noticed you know there's the enterprise just was packed with extras i'm, I'm sure you know a lot of the uh the hands on the uh, film crew wanted to be just walking down the uh uh the corridors there um let's see Dax says that she was actually alive during this time, but you know wasn't involved in in any of this and and didn't know Kirk. Um, and I and I don't know. I, I guess this, there's one piece here uh, that ties back to uh, your your take, Judah. Um, there there seemed to be a little bit of what Dax was doing that was kind of a going back to her own childhood through her own personal nostalgia. I thought that was interesting. She's had 100 percent regresses this week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she is 
all sex decks all the time and that's the best <laughs> decks as we all know so it, her part actually wasn't wasn't that bad oh well excuse me until the end we'll get there um you know during i noticed a lot of small stuff during the the bar fight um they made the music a lot more dramatic rather than just silly i i don't know if i like that or not but i, I thought the, i thought it was interesting that they were trying to trying to change things up a little bit on a, on a, at, a at a subtle level um there was uh there was one kind of a flyover shot in one of the grain bins with the tribbles eating the grain and suddenly there's this uh just just dark music swell when you zoom in on the tribble of death uh i thought that was about it, it really just kind of fit um the tone of the episode is kind of whacked out you know funny in places and and you know serious in other places and uh it, it just kind of all worked to pull together and, and keep keeping to the tone of both shows in, in a certain sense um the triple in space uh that explodes doesn't doesn't register for anyone um yeah. I, and I thought, hey, you know, you could have just phasered it away, you know, right there in the thing. I mean, I, I, I think you could do that without setting off a bomb. I don't know. Um, at the very end of the episode, uh, they had a little sting of the TOS uh, theme song. I, I, I like that. Um, just kind of weaving everything together. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it, DS9 chose to, to throw in this, you know, very, very light episode it breaks up all the very heavy themes that it's been talking about lately. And it's not about war. Um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of nice. So it, it's very silly. It's pretty safe. And it definitely hit, you know, a, a lot of uh, uh, Star Trek fans and, and TOS fans, especially, um, I don't know, especially people like me. I, I gave it a seven. And they went hard. They went like they went hard. so hard. <laughs> They could have gone harder. I wanted <laughs> I wanted them to fight Finnegan. I wanted Finnegan to show up yeah, and wanted, that Irish music to start playing. You wanted it to be every TOS episode. Basically, yeah. yeah. That would have been pretty good. If Spock had pulled out his loot or something. Well, I, I remember in my yeah. in my old notes, it's not in Landrew, obviously, but in my old notes, I gave it a 10 on execution on the original one. So, you know. <laughs> That's true. You I, gave I, it four tens. <laughs> maybe, maybe I did. <laughs> I liked... Uh, some of the <laughs> I liked some of the moments they chose to show. I really liked they showed Kirk's sarcastic conversation with him where he's like, we have guards around the grain, we have guards around the tribbles, or the, the Klingons, what do you want? You remember, in this episode in real life, Kirk is so mad at having mm -hmm. to do this mission. He <laughs> yes. hates that they've sent him here to do this grain bullshit. He yep. wants to be out there shooting people and punching aliens, and they're like, you gotta, uh, there's some grain you got to, there's a grain problem. Um, okay, so as usual, the DS9 team didn't want to do a DS9 episode. <laughs> <laughs> so normal yeah, for them. Whether it's a James Bond or a fucking uh, DOS boat or whatever, they're always doing something else. Uh, you've covered it. It's a very lighthearted episode. I would say it's all the way to silly. Yeah. Uh, nothing gets treated seriously. There are some problems. The temporal investigators only exist so at the end they can say, yeah, man, that old stuff was cool. <laughs> but since that's the point of the whole show, you can drop them. Yes. Like, we don't need them to say, oh, I would introduce myself to James Kirk, too. Frankly, it's, uh, it was a cool era, huh? Well, all right. <laughs> also, their names are anagrams of Mulder and Scully, and that eats 10 dicks. Oh, uh, really? I didn't even 
remember their names. Yeah, there's like Luxley and I forget what the other one is, but yeah, that's what's happening there. <laughs> Boo times two. Um, the, I thought the Forrest Gump tech actually worked pretty okay. Like, they took on some technical challenges in mm-hmm. this episode, and it it actually works better than most of the time when they just have a random alien ship of the week show up and shoot a phaser beam. So I mean, it looked better than most episodes of Voyager, for whatever reason. <laughs> so, it is true. So yeah, I thought it was fine in that way. Um, but it's not much of an episode. It's a, I gave it a three. Yeah. Flip it around to world building. Uh, okay. So temporal, the department of temporal investigations, uh, Klingons and their possible smells, Mm. the eradication of the tribbles by the Klingon empire. And the reintroduction of the Tribbles into the galaxy. Is this like a Star Trek Four style Jurassic at the end Park of this episode? Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it happens. Like they're back, baby. <laughs> uh, the Orb of Time, and unfortunately, the Klingon forehead problem. Mm. Uh, I thought it was interesting that Bashir and O'Brien suggest genetic engineering and a virus, and it turns out that that's the answer. Yeah. Is the bo- both of them? Yes, that's right. <laughs> well, we all know the Enterprise writers weren't taking it very serious by season three, season four, so they just yeah, they probably just went back to this. Um, there is kind of a suggestion that I'm just thinking about now that during that fucking whole trouble with Tribbles episode, nobody from Kirk's time realized that all these yahoos were running around their ship. I know. And uh, throwing tribbles at Kirk's head and stuff. (laughs) So, in retrospect, that's not a great look, but uh, we've seen Kirk ask people's names before on the ship, so that's actually not that weird. Yeah, I mean, at some point, both Dax and Sisko are on the bridge doing their business, doing their search, just in front of everybody. And I thought, huh, well... (laughs) Just Spock's there and everybody. No, I guess it tracks Come on, man. I guess that's what it was like. Um, I gave it the standard three, mostly because of the great Klingon triple quest. Okay. <laughs> ben. All right. Uh, the great triple quest. Yes. Um, so there's a non-secret temporal organization in the Federation now. That's, that's interesting. Uh, I guess this is the, the start of it. I, I don't know. Um, it seems odd to me, though. It seems like you should keep that shit secret. Uh, yeah. Well, luckily, they decided not to tell us anything about right. it. So. Yeah. It's unclear whether everyone knows everything about these dudes, or I don't. I guess we don't know what their mandate is. If they're gonna, if they're gonna do time travel business as well, or if they just want to get mad at people when they do a time travel. It, it seems like it's it kind of protective like, first. Does it, doesn't it seem like Cisco is? Only worried that they might put a reprimand in his file. Well, you can't get worse than that. That's as bad as it gets. I mean, Starfleet. <laughs> that's true. In TNG, that's the worst you can get for sure. Uh, they're going to take away his clock. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, he can always build another clock. <laughs> He's so good at it. Um, it, different kinds of orbs from the prophets. I, I didn't realize that there was specific powers attached to them. Um, seriously, are these infinity stones? basically yeah this is the stone I mean, of it, time or whatever 
I definitely remember that there's a orb of prophecy from an earlier episode uh, where they like see their futures, right? That's the one where they have all the yeah. future dreams. Mm. Um, there are probably other ones that they've talked about too. I don't think they've really gotten into it in detail, but I do think that the other orbs all had names that suggested that they were kind of a theme. Uh, I guess. Uh, okay. Uh, but they're, they're, mechanical things i mean in in reality but he lays it out this time that each of the orbs yeah. has a different power right, right, right. <laughs> which is kind of crazy right i mean the, the prophets are just aliens they're very very powerful aliens and they made these orbs so you know in other episodes when they're maybe just going to be destroyed by a chronoton beam or some shit why didn't they have the orb of time then i don't know again it's a by the way it's a 10 points for me if when he says that to the temporal investigators, one of them says, "I'm sorry, they have they have magic. They have different magical powers each. Mm-hmm. Our our best scientists are studying these, right? Yeah, no, Major Kira. We're not just putting them in a temple, no, so that Kai Win can stroke them lovingly, right? <laughs> no, that's we just, not. We just gave them back. Oh, oh we just give them to Kai Win. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. There, there's there's so hey, much unexplored here. Hey, I'm just in temporal investigations. You're in regular Starfleet. Maybe you can tell me what are we doing about Q? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, yes, I like that. Uh, the Klingon armadas obliterated the Triple Homeworld. That that totally fits. I love that. That makes sense. Um, and yeah, here comes the explanation of why Worf is bumpy and Koloth isn't. But no, of course not. They totally don't even take a swing at that. Um, that sucked That's, so bad. Yeah, I mean, it's even worse than not taking a swing. They raise the objection on purpose, so you can't even then yep. just use the regular logic that they didn't have all the makeup back then. And now they do. <laughs> yeah. And so now they look like this, and they didn't then, but they yeah. raise it in-universe and then go, no, we don't like to talk about it. Well, they, they do have to raise it in-universe because they're they're right there. They didn't, they didn't retcon all the actors to have, you know, the... CGI bumps or any, anything like that. They, they could have done that. I'm glad they didn't. That would have been much worse. They could have picked an episode of TOS with no Klingons in it. They could have. Or just no they Worf. They could even have had the crew not be not encounter any Klingons. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah or just no Worf. Whatever. Like, the, we, they never show Koloth yeah, that's true. in this whole episode. Good. That's true. Mm, that's weird, because Dax specifically talks about him. Yeah. Yeah. He's our old buddy. Well, yeah. and don't they... Gosh, don't they show a... An image of Koloth when he's old and bumpy. I, oh, we I, see him. I don't recall. Yeah, he's he's one of the three dudes, right? Yeah. Didn't she friends with those three yeah. old Klingons? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So, and then then the whole thing at the end with uh, Major Kira so, somehow able to learn <laughs> how to use an orb. She's 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 not even a, a Kai, um, or whatever, or Vedic. Well, she's gonna be a Vedic, Vedic. first. Yeah. But uh, uh, Matt's about to tell you that in Star Trek Online, she is. Uh, oh, no. That's <laughs> right. Oh, no. She does become Kai. Well, I guess, I guess she always had it in her because she can use that fucking orb like surgically, apparently. Um, <laughs> literally just show her <laughs> smiling contentedly and closing the orb like did it. Fucking nailed it. <laughs> it is a weird piece of voiceover. It's it's so bad. It, come on. It, there's no handles on that. Th- I mean, there's no buttons. Give me a break. What, what are you going to do? Um yeah. Uh, she she well, you know what happened. She went into a white cloudy space, and people <laughs> took the forms of her friends and gave her advice. And at some point, she said, "Can how do we go back?" 
I will, I will go back oh. to the future. You want to go back? You said the Cisco taught us about back. And she's yeah. like, yeah, that's right. I want no, no, this no, where I want to oh, go. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, so yeah, apparently somewhat normal people can use these orbs without a manual. Fine. Um, they didn't scan for tribbles on the way back. That That's basically how we get murder hornets. What What is going on here? <laughs> Stupid. Ah, oh, nah, fuck no. Odo brought him back deliberately. <laughs> I want to study I'm 99% that. sure. Uh, gave it a four. It was, I, I thought there were some really good small things and a couple of really bad, bad things. Yeah. Uh, let's see. This dude says Cardi's drink fish juice every morning. Oh. <laughs> uh, Kirk had 17 fucking temporal violations on his record. <laughs> we get a backstory on Darwin and what happened to him after the whole Tribbles incident. Um... Hey, did the Cardis ever open this orb? Is anybody uh, anybody worried about that? They couldn't figure out how to use it. No one's one's worried that they had this time travel orb for a while, like, (laughs) that you can apparently master in one episode? No? It's fine, I guess. Um, They only like having those orbs so the Bajorans can't have them. (laughs) Never even opened it. (laughs) They they don't don't believe. They do not believe. Just Ducat has a report that says, I don't know, they seem to like these things for some reason. <laughs> uh, make that the 51st totally accurate and precise form of time travel known to the crews of the various Starfleet <laughs> ships. Yeah, this one at least you have to have the one orb. Yes, you do have to find the orb, but once you're there, apparently you can place and time travel, so... Uh, it was never canon in TOS what color Kirk wore, right? I know the whole thing about how it was supposed to be green, but then it appeared gold on TV yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Well, they do specifically say command uh, command personnel wore gold yeah. in this one, even though it would have been green. Yeah. Yeah, but it was, so it doesn't it doesn't contradict it because they never actually talked about it on TOS, right? No, okay. I don't think so. Um I'm fi- I'm only like now noticing all these black collars underneath. Are those undershirts or just stitched on? You see, uh, you see this from time to time with McCoy, but it's just a black T-shirt. Okay, because every time Kirk lost his shirt integrity, you saw his oh, barrel right. chest, no sh- yeah, exactly, and not sure. like a black undershirt underneath. So I yeah, was... it was never his his black Hanes classic, <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe they both ripped each time. I don't know. Um, the um, so I guess the old Enterprise had a duotronic sensor system and. Every few minutes, there's a few seconds where, like, they can't detect nothing, and that seems like way too long. <laughs> seems like a bad system. Uh, Tribbles and Klingons and their whole saga. Um, Kirk's Gorn adventure went down in the history books. Cisco wants to talk to him about it. Um, the whole Klingon thing remains a real bummer. I... <laughs> I mean, should we talk about it in more detail in case this is the first Star Trek content anyone ever listens to? I guess, mm. if you want to. Just that in the 60s, they looked like dudes with a little bit of brown makeup and maybe crazy eyebrows or something. Yeah, they had bushy eyebrows and like maybe a Fu Manchu mustache <laughs> on about a third of them. And right. they wore gold lame vests <laughs> yes. over black turtlenecks. Exactly right. And then in the, in the motion picture and the TNG era, they got big old crumple heads 
Yep. And again, off screen, you would just go, okay, well, they just decided to change the makeup, which they have done. Oh, like, they got a better budget. They've done like two other times since that, I think. It's just Klingons are just constantly looking different. Um, but then in this episode, they bring Worf, who's got the modern crumple head, back to the past with the old Klingons who just look like dudes with bronzer on. Yep. And and they all sit in the same room and none of the Federation guys recognize that those dudes are Klingons. Also, none of the Klingons recognize that Worf is a Klingon. <laughs> Which is much harder to believe given the later story. Despite the fact that his disguise is a bandana. <laughs> He's just a dude in a hat or whatever. He and Odo are just dude in hat when they go there. Um, and so then they bring it up, but all they say is that Worf doesn't, they don't, they don't like to talk about it. That's what they say. They don't want to talk about how they look different. And so now you have to rationalize in your head, in universe, what the fuck is happening. Because the Klingons really did just look different later in time. Yeah, this was all avoidable. Like, Could have just not done the whole thing. And again, we've already covered the Enterprise episodes where they try to solve it. They try real hard. So hard. (laughs) And it's still very bad. That they wouldn't have had to do it at all if it wasn't for this episode, which I've been dreading the whole time for that reason. <laughs> yep. Either that, or they could have uh, just done the brown face Klingons every time we saw Klingons in Enterprise, and then we could still have not known. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, you had two options. Either no Klingons at all, which would probably seem odd since they were the main antagonists of TOS. Right. Uh, or, <laughs> or do that. <laughs> Or do that, which would not have been great. And then you would have been like, listen, this is what they looked like in the 60s. What do you want want us to do? And they said in that episode that they changed over time, and that's not our business. That's got nothing (laughs) to do with us. Yeah, so um, that is so bad, and it makes me so unhappy that I gave it just a one in world building, despite some of the other stuff. I get it. Mm -hmm. It's rough that they chose to go down that road. Uh, flipping over to characterization, Dax is so happy to show off the misogyny of Kirk's time. And she's horny for the past in general, and she's horny for Spock in general. Yeah. Bashir is a creep. I guess he'll never lose that aspect completely. Did a Tribble do a racism against Worf at the Academy one time or something? Was there like a particularly racist triple fraternity there that everyone excused as just boys being boys or like? Do you think there's a triple ensign their... somewhere? Is that is that what you're saying? I I think that you have to remember that Worf only read about tribbles. Mm-hmm. The Klingons wiped him out. He's never seen one. <laughs> right. He's read about them and he knows that the Klingons are supposed to hate them. Yes, so that's what I was trying to figure out. If he hates them because of Klingon Wikipedia, or if he has personal experience, because he sees one and he's like, fuck this. Yep. Cisco's a little bit responsible in the beginning. He doesn't let Dax go near Koloth, but never mind, he makes a point to go talk to Kirk at the end. Um, why is Odo the one at the table worried about the timeline? <laughs> is that something Dr. Mora drilled into him? I don't really... <laughs> understand maybe he is just the only one who doesn't get it he just doesn't get what's cool about this time or why everyone is acting like they're 10 yeah uh o'brien doesn't recognize kirk and needs odo to remind him not to mess with the timeline um for some reason the ds9 crew gets caught up in this dumb barroom brawl which seems really avoidable just like yeah don't punch anybody 
Doesn't O'Brien just jump in like an oh, asshole? Yeah. Brian jumps in, and then soon Worf's punching dudes, and everyone's just fucking fighting dudes. And how's that going to keep the timeline in order? Well, I mean, the Scots and the Irish are famous allies going way back, so it, he just felt he had to. <laughs> uh, so what, was McCoy pre-med at Ole Miss and then went to Starfleet <laughs> fucking medical school? How does this work? I, yeah, I guess so. I mean, doesn't Ole Miss feel right? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I know he's a Georgia boy, so I'm surprised he didn't end up a bulldog. But I guess Old Miss definitely feels right for his fucking shitty personality. Uh, I gave it a two. Oh, Ben, how about you? Let's see here. Uh, Jadzia gives her bad one-liner right up front. Um, Worf apparently smells like a scotch or a gin. Because Bashir and O'Brien give his his scent some tasting notes. That was fucking weird. Um, Kirk is infamous in the temporal department as a he's a menace. Um, I already said Sextax is back, but she is really really Sextax throughout the whole thing. Um, she's mm-hmm. just slick the whole time. Uh, Julian thinks he might be his own great grandpa. Um, that was weird. Oh, yeah, that something, something that somehow future. has not really come up so far, but it does suck. Yeah, he's like, oh, it, it, is he horny about this idea? He's, he's yes. kind of getting ready to go for it because he thinks yeah, he's he won't exist. Trying to convince O'Brien to let him go fuck this lady so that he could be his own grandpappy or whatever. Uh, it's 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 freaking weird. I mean, but when you think about it, like when Marty McFly meets his mom in back to the future he's not like hey she's a hottie he, yeah. i can't do it but she's a hottie that, that, that's not what crosses his mind i mean i know how hot leah thompson is i mean that's that's fine but <laughs> nobody goes there right? for real <laughs> what <laughs> nothing just that she's 80s hot in a way that ben appreciates i totally appreciate that's it. fine he's allowed yep. to um this lady does come on to him pretty pretty hard. oh sure yeah she loves his bad Caesar haircut <laughs> or whatever. And that he's kind of a bumbling fool. Apparently that's what she's into. Well, you don't know a, how like the elevator trait. works. He can't, he can't close his fucking tricorder carrier or whatever. Uh, well, I, I, I like that the, uh, the fanboys on the crew mistake, uh, some, some rando for Kirk. Uh, they can't see his sleeves, I guess. Um, Dax is super gross. Um, she she has that line about a McCoy about he had the hands of a surgeon, and and Avery Brooks. I swear to God, he spikes the camera for just a half a second there, <laughs> right after her crazy eyebrow lift. And he's like, I can't believe I'm fucking doing this this episode, or at least at least not this scene. Um, yeah, and I I don't know why McCoy wouldn't rec. Oh no, I guess it would be a whole different Dax. Never mind. Um, yeah, that that that's in the universe that works. Um, and she's got her spots all covered, so she, he wouldn't even. And don't forget, she used this magic spots device to cover spot her remover. spots. Yeah. Tide pen, which presumably she did when she was kicking around at Ole Miss too, right? Well, mm, oh yeah, I guess would have had to be. Yeah, like if the idea of a trill is so wild that she's got to cover up them spots, then she probably had to do it before. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. Last note is, I mean, everybody kind of hits their character notes really extra hard on the DS9 crew. And I think it's so that they can be just a little bit uh, contrasting and standing out from the, you know, the intentionally immersive background. Um, but, I, but I thought it was interesting. Everybody's like, 
okay, Bashir's creepy, Dax is sexy, da 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 da, da. and you know, it's it's fine and it works and you kind of got to do it in order to have any kind of you know a performance standing out. So uh, four, I gave it a four. I feel like we're really every, uh, doing it with three people. I feel like ever all my points have been covered. But, <laughs> uh, Dax is horny for old design. Yeah. Mm. And the absolutely, absolutely cannot be taken on any kind of sensitive mission. Yeah. <laughs> Last time she went back in time, she sexed up the owner of Channel 97, and now she wants to ride Spock. Yep. Oh, and she got fingered by nasty old Bones, who Matt doesn't fuck with anymore. No, fuck that guy. Uh, O'Brien is a comical buffoon mm-hmm. who knows nothing and is not helpful at all in the whole show. Mm-hmm. He's a real fucking piece of shit lump now. He's totally worthless. I'm sure it's Odo who brings back a Tribble. Uh, but also, he and Worf really do spend the whole time in the bar drinking. <laughs> yep. I feel like that would be the most inc- uh, uh, innocuous thing you could do. We're just going to hang out here. Well, what's interesting yeah. is Odo figures out that he's on the station. He was been in the bar, but he's not like, I'll go look for him. It's not that big a station. He's just like, he'll have to come back to the bar sometime. <laughs> he's going to want another drink. I'll just hang out here. I know he loves those rock to Genos. Um... <sighs> Bashir wants to fuck his maybe great grandmother. Cisco introduces himself to Kirk as Benjamin Cisco. <laughs> he doesn't even use his cool time alias Gabriel Bell. <laughs> nope. He just what is in it for him? Does he think Kirk's gonna remember the name Benjamin Cisco? He thinks he's gonna show up in another photograph in another different history book. As <laughs> Lieutenant Benjamin Cisco. <laughs> Um, only Kira is really competent this week, <laughs> figuring out the time warp off screen, <laughs> which we don't even get to see a little bit of. It's amazing. So for me, it's just a three. Yeah. Quick. One. Okay. All right. Quick hitters. Uh, O'Brien on the bridge is an asshole. <laughs> now sometimes. He's running his mouth about Keiko and Major Kira. Mm -hmm. This week, he's trying to get everyone involved in his prank war with Worf. Uh Trying to get him to tell Worf he smells like lilac or whatever. (laughs) Just on the bridge while Cisco's just right there. Yeah. Uh, When Odo can't get a rack to Gino, he settles for and orders a Tarkalian tea. Yeah. And this lady's like, yep. <laughs> no problem. Those come with sausages, right? <laughs> well. <laughs> Did Dax regress in age? Because she is like an eight-year-old when Cisco won't let her see her friend. Yeah, it's not great. Why is it necessary for Bashir to have this great-grandfather plot? <sighs> When, when when O'Brien and Bashir suggest viral mutation and genetic engineering, Worf could have just said, basically, and it would have been fine. <laughs> yeah, if they knew that's what they were really going to do with it, I guess. Yeah. Um, Katie suggested that you could build a kind of triple cannon to fire them into space at the end. <laughs> I think... 
They don't move, so I think you could just sweep them into a bin. Yeah, probably. Just, you just need a push broom. Um, Darwin, when they were sitting around trying to break this episode, figure out how they were going to do this back in time to an episode, uh, one of the guys was like, hey, do you remember that guy Arn Darwin from The Trouble with Tribbles? And Michael Piller, whoever, in this restaurant said, uh, the guy at the bar? Because the actor was just sitting at a bar with them. Whoa. Whoa. That's creepy. Yeah. It is creepy. But at that point, they probably stopped trying to think of alternate pitches, is my guess. Also, what was weird is he was drinking a Tarkalian tea. At the that was weird. Well, and how long I were they best... drinking at that bar? Because that, that might have been the deciding factor about the number of pitches they were willing to go through. <laughs> yeah, I think, <laughs> oh, I think that's part of it for sure. Uh, I gave best actor to stock footage of Bill Shatner. Nice. And worst actor, uh, the nervous engineering ensign. Yeah. Clearly thinks Scotty's going to be up his ass about why someone else was fixing the problem when he got there. (laughs) And then buys Bashir's stupid thing about study work stress study. Yeah, exactly. Like that kid was stressed out though. So, but the numbers are in because uh, we've done the damn thing. I didn't do my quick hitters. Ben, did you do yours? Oh, shit. No, I don't think so. Ben, do your quick hitters. I know we're already like two and a half hours in, but let's do this. We're good. We're good. Um, okay. So uh, I was curious about whether they just rebuilt the old sets or what, what they did. Um, the do-rag and camo type cargo <laughs> vest thing that Worf is wearing I, I thought he looked like a pirate in the name of Che Guevara or something. It was just weird. Um, yeah. The ball pit that they made Terry Farrell crawl around in, in that tiny <laughs> miniskirt, made me really sad for her. I, I'm like, that that was yeah. that was torturous to watch. Uh, let's see. I Especially because then when she walked off the set, she got the same greeting she gets every time from the crew, which was, tits could be bigger. Work on that for next time. <laughs> here's some here's some acting notes. Um, I, I, and I do have a question for both of you guys. Is To you, is this better or worse than the Mirror Universe? <clears throat> time travel is always bad, but Mirror Universe is some kind of extra level of bad, I think. <laughs> Judah? It's tough. <laughs> it's very tough. Uh, they are both excuses for actors to get much campier than mm-hmm. normal. Yeah, which I never really like. Uh, I think it's worse because it's just such obvious pandering. <laughs> yeah, but on the other hand, there's exactly one of these episodes. Yeah, for yes. me, the mirror universe is worse because um, it never makes any sense to me. Everyone's always exactly the, they're all together still. <laughs> Even though all of history is different, they're all still there hanging out together. It never makes any sense to me. This one does hold together a little bit better than that. Yeah, that makes sense. How about your quickies? Hmm. All right, this guy's racism in the beginning, this Waddle guy, is treated as a silly joke by everybody. I would have smashed his fucking head when he said that thing about Worf. Unless Worf had pissed me off recently with his DS9 bullshit, then I would have let it pass. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe that's what it's happened. A, I don't know, man. That's not very enlightened. This guy does suck, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this woman in the turbo lift is a real creep. 
can't wait for you to abuse your power as my physician and get me naked under medical circumstances. Yeah, that's nasty. Fucking pervert. Uh, this Darwin guy has been posing as a human for so long, he's become all weedy and scheming. He, like, flinched every time Worf looked at him. I guess he forgot what it was like to be a Klingon. <laughs> that's it. Now we did it. Yay. Yeah, we did. Well, the numbers are in. Last place this week with a whopping 16 points, Deep Space Nine, Trials and Tribulations. It wasn't good. Just uh, just do a real episode, guys. That's all you got to do. <laughs> yeah, Ben gave it a lot two. of points, but I did not. <laughs> I was the problem here. <laughs> yeah. Well, two points ahead of that in uh, second place, Voyager, 30, 30 days, 18 points. Also not good. Yeah, recommendation to them. Maybe don't do a flashback episode. Maybe don't ever do one again. <laughs> Could be. Uh, the winner with 39 points, Ensign Row. That's TNG's 40th win. Yep. They're starting mm. to get their lead back over DS9. Well, I guess DS9 won last week. Never mind. Uh, was a bad week for me. Uh, my average was 11.3 points. It was a bad week for world building. Just 4.3 points uh, scored uh, on average. Yeah. But next time we do this, we get to watch some different episodes. I don't know if they're better. The TNG episode we're watching is Silicon Avatar. That's the crystalline entity Data's mom. I believe that is Data's mom slash crystalline entity. Okay. that's. I don't remember it being good, but we'll see. Uh, wait, is she Data's mom? Or are we, is that two oh, different people? Oh, I think I'm thinking of two different she, ones. She, uh, had, Data has her son's yes. diary. Yes, that's right. So and he reads it in becomes, his voice. He becomes like her son, but there is a later episode with Data's actual mom. You're right. Yeah, those are two different ones. Uh, Deep Space Nine, let he who is without sin. So I'm guessing we're going right back into war as hell. <laughs> we got another ellipsis, too. They love these ellipsis ones. <laughs> Voyager counterpoint that's yours buddy enjoy counterpoint i'm cannot tell you how much i'm looking forward to <laughs> whatever that is <laughs> but next week is gonna be a mailbag uh send us mail uh that's at brother date on the twitter machine i think we're also gonna do a flags i think flags will be ready i think i think we're on the hook for state flags Back for more flags everybody <laughs> Um, you can send us email. That's brothers of brotherdate.com. You can uh, check out the website, brotherdate.com. I believe the flags will be up there, right? Uh, yeah, the flag bracket is, in fact, already posted if you want to go get a little sneak peek. <laughs> Fucking exciting. Everybody, please look at all, all those great flags. Um, and, uh, yep, yeah, uh, all the podcatchers, they'll catch it. And you should also get, you should catch it as well. Everyone go catch it. That's it. <laughs> That's a good one. As you believe. So shall, so you, shall do. you do. So shall you do. As you believe. So, so shall, shall you, you do. do. I said that's it. Do you think life is worse as, as, as a pair of twins who are hot as compared to a pair of twins who are, let's just say, average, right? Nope. I think it would be worse. No. <laughs> no. Hold on, Matt. Came in quick with that. <laughs> no. Let's find out. 